Great to be here on this Tuesday. Kevin and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. We are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. On your mobile device with the ESPN app. Also, uh, you can catch us streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal. You can catch all the old uh, three and outs, second downs. Uh, we've done high school football uh, on there and more. So you can catch everything you may have missed there at uh, ESPN Coastal on YouTube. And, of course, Facebook and Twitter at Pigskin Radio. You can find us there on Twitter. So much to get to. We'll chat with Akil Blunt, former uh, FAMU linebacker, Dolphins and Steelers linebacker, the son of Mel Blunt, uh, legendary uh, defensive back in the National Football League. He'll join us coming up in four, at 420. And then also in hour number two, we'll chat with Rich Stiles of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show coming off the U.S. Open. And the big news of Brooks Kepka defecting uh, to the Live Tour. He becomes the latest guy to, uh, to make that switch. But a lot of news this afternoon. Gronk is in the news. The Hawks, Ben, are in the news uh, with the NBA draft upcoming. Uh, they may be looking to do something here on the trade front. We'll tell you who and for what coming up in just a little bit. But the Braves open up the homestand last night, Ben. Two to one over San Francisco. They go back to five and a half ahead of, or ahead of, excuse me, behind the New York Mets off of Orlando Arcia walk-off. And that dude has done nothing seemingly but good things uh, since having to fill in for Ozzy Albies. Is it going to continue? We'll see. Uh, but so much happening last night, uh, Ben, not the most of which is uh, the Braves getting a big win to start the homestand with the, Do- with the Giants. And then, of course, the Dodgers coming up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Kevin, the, the month of June has been incredible for, for uh, the Atlanta Bravos. They are 16-2 in their last 18 games. They've lost two games in 18 tries. Two games. I know I know. Jock Peters and Kevin, I mean, had the pearls going, fan favorite. Right. And, look, the reception for Jock Peters, people say, oh, he didn't really get the booze. Hey, I have no reason to boo him. He didn't do anything. <laughs> like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, the Braves just booze. did not re-sign him. Yeah. yeah, he just did not re-sign And we kept talking about this yesterday, Kevin. He was that vocal spark that the Braves needed. And the Braves were very, very we, – we, we, uh, we let our bats do the talking. We let our players do the talking. Jock goes, nope, I'm going to talk for us. Because – Winning a World Series is rare, extremely rare. And when you think about this Braves team that hadn't even hadn't won a World Series since the 90s, has had a lot of postseason success as of late, Jock Peters was like, dude, we're those you-know-whats. And they went out there and got it done. And Jock was like, man, Jock, you can see the personality. Obviously, we, he tried to pick up the World Series trophy yesterday. Obviously, couldn't do it. But I just think this Braves team, Kevin, has developed a lot of confidence. Uh, sure. in, in the in the month of June, which is which is what you're trying to build all the time. You got the camaraderie, you got the talent, you got the starting pitcher. Max Fried has been amazing. I mean, lights out. Cy Young all over him. Obviously, got to keep it up. You talk, you talk, you talking about you talk about a Braves team that their best player is not playing well right now, and you can't even tell. That's a sign of a, not a good team, a great team. But Kevin, they you know you know they sticking with their winning ways. I I kept saying when you talk about the Braves team, they always they always looking forward. Controlling what they can control, those Mets saying, "Look, we got to keep them in. We got to keep them, and you know, in our view, we can't let them get too far away from because it's all about having something to play for going into the All Star break. You know, you know, getting ready for that, getting ready for that. A, a, a by the fantastic of a finish or exciting finish. But Kevin, they handled business yesterday against against the San Francisco team. Kevin, you were talking about it yesterday. The the uh, the Braves and the, and the Giants are very very similar in runs scored and runs given up. And and uh, win in in uh home you know home game win, I mean home wins away away uh, away wins but the Braves got a big win yesterday made it a nail biter 
by the way. Sure. But shout out to Travis Darno. I think that we get so caught up in, you know, you know what what is Michael Harris Jr. doing? You know, uh, what is Ronald Acuna Jr. doing? You know, how is the health of uh, of Ozzy? Travis Darno has been balling, people. Not kind of balling either. No. Ball lean. And I know we still got all-star voting going on right now. I mean, he got a shot to potentially get in there. But the, the bottom line is, got a big win yesterday. Sticking with their winning ways, Kevin. Build a momentum. You know, keep it, keeping it, you know, keeping pace with those pesky men. Yeah, look, I, I think the uh the whole deal is this team is playing so so well as a team uh right now. Arcia with the walk-off. Michael Harris, three for three. Uh, hitting close to 340 right now as a rookie. I think you'd have to put him up there, and the guy we'll see tonight, Spencer Strider. Those two guys might be in the top three or four right now for rookie of the year, and and Michael Harris has only played a month, uh, not even a month uh, at at this point. So, uh, look, I I think you're getting a lot of contributions, and as you said, you've barely noticed that Ronald Acuna has just been awful uh, at the plate. Seven of his last 42 and one RBI. That's what he's done in his last 10 games. I think he's scored two runs and driven in one. Seven of 42. His average has dipped, I think, 30 points uh, in the last 10 days, 20, 25 points the last 10 days. Not good. And the Braves have still found ways to go out and win. Ben, I think that is what you were trying to uh, stave off. Uh, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, says, hey, we're not going to put it all on one guy, and if that guy struggles, we're sunk. Right, I mean, that's a hard way to win baseball games, 100%. You can't go out there and say, if this guy doesn't perform, we're sunk. Yep. Uh, and Ronald Acuna has not been awesome over the last 10 games. And the Braves have still found ways to uh, win ball games. And you know that's not going to last, right? You know that's not going to be something that continues uh, in, into the future. You know that's not going to be something that uh, he's going to have, you know, a month and a half from now. We're going to go, man, Acuna's like, 10 of his last 80. Like, what is going on? I, I think he's going to come out of it, and when he does, I think that just makes his team even more dangerous. And uh, as you said, you have guys who have kind of been first couple of months kind of, uh, I say goats in the negative connotation of it, uh, like, hey, you're not playing well. Dansby, Adam Duvall, who have really kind of turned it around uh, and started playing extremely, extremely well. And look, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun when you believe you can win in the late innings. Kenley Jansen is a beast uh, coming in. Uh, three strikeouts in the ninth to hold it there and give yourself a chance to win. But, uh, look, I, I think this was a, this is an important stretch now because Ben, so much has been made about, oh, you're just beating up on the easy teams, right? Yeah, you're just beating up on the teams that are not any good. Okay, well, the Giants are pretty good. Giants were tied for the second wild card spot coming last night. You were able to hold off and beat them. I think if you win tonight, that could set you up potentially for a very nice homestand. I do think it's interesting, the dichotomy, Ben, of Jock Peterson comes up to pinch hit in ninth inning. Big standing ovation, a lot of roars from the crowd, almost hits a home run, then everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We love you. We don't love you that much that we want you to beat us here in the ninth inning. But a big ovation there. I still am interested, and we're going to keep talking about it until he shows up, is... As you said, there's a difference in Jock Peterson and Freddie Freeman. Jock Peterson was there for a couple of months, provided a spark, provided a maybe all-time line uh, around the uh, Atlanta Braves that is synonymous now with them winning that World Series championship, and then he was gone. And gone because the Braves decided not to bring him back in favor of, of Eddie Rosario, and he wanted to play every day. Freddie is a franchise icon, 
right? When you when you talk about Atlanta Braves, talking about what eleven years with the franchise, fan favorite, professional, never in the news for doing bad stuff. I mean, th- th- I mean, if you want to be honest, this is the worst thing that fans can say about Freddie Freeman. Why didn't he sign with the Braves? That, that's a, right. That's as a fan, that's the worst thing you can say. He didn't embarrass you as a fan. He didn't do anything. The worst thing you say is he didn't get a deal done or his agent didn't get a deal done when he professed he wanted to stay in Atlanta. That's that's it. That's the, that's the worst thing you could say. What would the reception be like on Friday? Because, again, there's a lot of people who say, hey, if you move Freddie Freeman, that shows who you are as a fan base. And then there's people who go, no, 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 no. He dipped us. He dipped on us. Kind of made it to, you know, they said, oh, I, re- I wanted to be here. I'm surprised. Good. Well, you had uh, obviously a fair deal, and you left. And fans don't like, again, if you think fans don't like people taking the money, what have we been talking about in golf for the last month and a half? What do you see every time? LeBron James, I'm taking my talents to, to, uh, to Miami. A Cleveland melted down, right? As they take, should. Take it, oh, I'm saying, but taking the money and going to Miami. Can't stay with us. I'm, I think there's... I think they should be over it, but I think there's going to be a decent amount of folks who are still like, listen here, man, you were Mr. Atlanta Brave at this point, and you you, dip, you you dipped on us because you couldn't agree to a deal, which in hindsight was more than fair, and you didn't take that much more money at the end of the You didn't get that much more money at the end of the day to go to Los Angeles. I get you wanted to go home, but we're fans. We feel like Atlanta was your home at this point, right? That's, just, that's where you belong. And so I think there's a a portion of the fan base that's going to feel like that, Ben. Like, hey, you were a Brave. You should have been a Braves lifer. The Braves made you an offer that, at least looking at it, as you said, was more than fair. I'm interested. Again, I I think that's a must-see at bat Friday night when he comes up for the first time and see what it is. Because I do think there's going to be some boos. If it's overwhelming boos, I'll be surprised. I do think there's more people who are like, look, we get it. You gave us a World Series title end of the day, that's what you want, right? Yeah. No can, World Series title. Now, yeah. if they came close and didn't win it last year and he dipped, uh, maybe there'd be a little more booze. So if people think, well, you left when we had a chance to go back and finish the deal. But he gave you a World Series title. End of story. Yeah. No, Kevin, you're right. But this is the thing. Uh, certain people get adopted by not just a team but a city. Remember when Drew Brees had to – you know, controversial comments, you know, a couple of years back and his teammates was coming at him. Well, the city of New Orleans was coming at him, not just the Saints. Sometimes we don't know what we mean to a franchise until we leave. When I left Tennessee, no one cared. I was there for four years. Time to move on. It happens. <laughs> right? No, no, seriously. Right? But, Kevin, it's like this. If Chipper Jones would have left, it don't matter where he go. Either I don't like the team he's going to or I'm going to dislike whoever he goes to if I didn't like them before. Freddie Freeman left for the same amount of money, essentially. It's not like, oh, man, they gave him 250 mil. No, they did not. And, Kevin, once again, booze are a sign of love because at the end of the day, Kevin, he means more. He grew up as a grown man in Atlanta. He is not from Atlanta, but he grew up as a grown man in Atlanta. 12, 13 years is a long time. So I think for Braves fans, they're saying to themselves, I mean, what it is is can we do this? How could you do this to us, Freddie? That's what they're really saying. He didn't, he made the best decision for him and his family. 
But, Kevin, when you break down the contract, it ain't much more. It's just not. And I think that with Freddie, it's more of we get into this, oh, that's betrayal. We start making up things. He did that to us. Come on, Freddie. We gave you Ronald Acuna. We gave you Isaac Albies. We gave you Dansby Swanson. We gave you Austin Riley. Gave you a world. Because they'll say, we, we get, well, you was there in the dark ages, but he's going to get some booze because, Kevin, like I said, Jock can do no wrong. As far as, like, what you can mean to a team in a short amount of time, Jock, Rosario, and Soler, that's about as good as you can do it. Appreciate it, fellas. But uh, you guys can go, you know, you guys can go have, you know, have your food and chill. We got to talk to Freddie. Because, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you was like, I, when you said to yourself, what you kept saying? I just want to see Freddie Freeman sign, re-sign with the Braves, re-sign with the Braves. All of a sudden, Matt Olson. What? Like, they, like you said, Kevin, we can't wait on you. No, no, we can't let you hold us hostage. We need a first baseman. You don't want to be the first baseman. And when the numbers finally came out, we was like, really? So, hey, it's going to be some booze, Kevin, like I said. He ain't going to get one at-bat like Jock either. You're going to get a bunch of at-bats. At first baseman, boo! And I think that's more than fair, Kevin, because sometimes, dude, you got to know, when Kyrie goes back to, Kyrie goes back to uh, Cleveland, boo! Kyrie goes back to uh, Boston, boo! Right? <laughs> Everywhere he goes back. They, they're booing him in Cleveland, and he got a Marine. Boo. So, hey, man, I think it's a sign of love. Booing is a sign of love when it comes to, to a disgruntled fan. Base. We'll talk certainly more about that as we go throughout the show. We'll come back. Hawks are in the news ahead of the NBA draft. Why? And for who and for what? We'll tell you about that next. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Ben, the Hawks in the news at the NBA draft coming up. That's not why they're in the news. Hawks apparently looking to trade John Collins ahead of the draft to uh, help improve their basketball team, find some help for Trey Young. Obviously, they feel it's not John Collins, who I think has been a good player. Uh, ben, I don't know that he ever took that next level step uh, that people are wanting uh, as a, a big there with Atlanta, but what are we doing here? If you're if you're if you're the Atlanta Hawks, for who for what? Who are you trading for uh, for John Collins, or who are you trading John Collins for? I should say. Well, Kevin, I mean, I think it starts with the first thing you said. He never really lived up to a good player, never great player. I mean, and I think that when you talk about a guy, John Collins, I mean, before Trey was there, he was he was the guy you ran the offense through. And, and, and people are like, okay, well, who can we pair? It used to be, who can we pair with John Collins? You give him a Trey Young, a guy that takes that barrier of having to be that scorer. Obviously, he's better. He's, you know, he's a guy that's, that's better when you distribute him the basketball, doesn't really create his own shot, never really learn how to play with his back to the basket. You know, a good player, you know, quality. But when you got a max, when you got, you know, $100 million contracts, we need you to do more than kind of be, you know, we need at least, I mean, average of 15, at least double-digit uh, rebounds. And that was never really – I mean, show flashes, but it was never a consistent effort. So, for me, Kevin, I mean, I, I look I look out I look out west, man. I look at a guy like DeAndre Aiden. I think when you think about he's a guy that's definitely, you know, going to want to get a max deal, a guy that definitely benefits from a, from a, uh, from a you know, uh, a floor general like a Devin Booker and a guy like Trey Young to where you can go out there and have a guy that you don't have to be the main guy. But think about if you had a – if you had a – if you had the – the perimeter shooting of a Trey Young with the with the with the defensive presence and and uh you know and low post dominance of a DeAndre Aiden. So I think that it'll be a match. Plus, Phoenix is real similar to Atlanta, right? Phoenix, big city, right? State like Arizona, get it. But they never got a star got a star in Devin Booker. You talking about to a place like Atlanta? 
you bring a guy like DeAndre Aiden, you could, I mean, definitely, definitely gonna be one of the biggest names in uh, Atlanta. Definitely one of the biggest names in sports uh, in in Georgia. And I think Kevin, he wants to be able to say, hey man, I can be a focal point for an offense on a team like Atlanta. The, the Phoenix Suns, Suns last two years, let's face it, they underwhelmed. Phoenix was in the finals, didn't win it, didn't make it back to the finals the next year. The Hawks was in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, made it back to the playoffs and obviously uh, wasn't able to have success. I think a guy like Trey Young deserves a DeAndre Aiden, Kevin, because while he can score, there is Trey doesn't give you anything on the defensive end. Trey is a distributor. Trey, you know, Trey is a guy that you love to play with a young superstar. But if Trey does, if Trey is quote having an off night, a guy like DeAndre to go along with Hunter to go along. You know, with Herder and company and Bogdanovich, I think adding a guy like DeAndre Aiden is good, and that's what I think Trey Young has done for Atlanta. He's made Atlanta a team that you want to play with him. So if you can get a DeAndre Hunter, I think that'll be in the – because I don't think you get an aging superstar that's a big man, Kevin, because I don't think he bowls well with a very, very young team. In Atlanta, you get a, you, you get a guy that's in his, you know, you know mid-20s like a DeAndre Aiden, a former number one overall pick who just fell to the Phoenix Suns who got the lottery pick that year. Get a DeAndre Aiden, I think it'll be a match made in heaven for the, for the Hawks. Again, we'll see what they decide to do. Uh, I, I thought John Collins was going to be one of those guys that was a building block of the team, where you have your guard, you have your big man, and you fill in around them. Obviously, it didn't it didn't work out uh, the way they wanted to. We made a deep run two years ago last year, barely made the playoffs uh, with basically the same roster uh, at the end of the day. And again, I'm interested to see what the Hawks do uh, because Ben, what you said again, this is a trade. How else do you supplement your roster because? Atlanta hasn't traditionally, for whatever reason, been an NBA city that free agents want to come to, right? I mean, I've the famous, uh, I don't know who told me this. It was a story. Somebody was talking with Chris Weber. They're like, why don't you come to Atlanta? He's like, good place to hang out, good place to live, don't want to play basketball there. And you're going, okay. Uh, so trade makes sense. Move John Collins. Obviously, something has to change uh, if you're if you're looking at this team. Uh, because I think they underachieved last year, right? And is John Collins uh, going to help you move forward? I don't think so. I think you were hoping he would take a step forward and be a one-two punch last year, and he just never, to me, got to that status where it was like, that's a guy you can just not live without on your basketball team. And so now you've seen all these rumors of the Hawks going to make a move prior to the draft to try to uh, to move him. Well, Kevin, that's, that's, that's the nature of sports. I mean – the thing about the NBA that's different than any other any other league is you don't have to be great to get max contracts. I mean, you know, Zion Williamson is going to get almost two hundred million dollar super max contract because he was the number one overall pick, and I think that's just in the cards when you go that high. DeAndre Hayden is a good player, really good player. I think I think I think he needs a change of scenery because he went to Arizona, then obviously got drafted by Phoenix. Sometimes you just need a change of pace and. I think when you look at when you look at what the Hawks are trying to build, like you're saying, Kevin, uh, the Hawks are fighting to stay relevant every year, while other teams are fighting, you know, to get in the playoffs and you know and contend. Trey Young is a budding superstar. Trey Young can carry a team. Trey Young can't do it all. Trey Young needs a big man. You know, John Collins was good, but like I said, never ever took that step. I mean, Kevin uh, originally turned down the max contract, but then came back and took it. But then, if you know, if you're in that front office, you're saying, "Look, man, we got to get some of this money off the books. We got to be." And I think, I think the Hawks are different because there's so many teams that have young superstars or young budding superstars and people trying to find their way. I mean, 
you get a DeAndre Aiden and you add maybe another piece, you got a shot to be really, really good because, yes, the East has gotten better, but so ha- but so has the Hawks. Yes, yes, the talent level has gotten better, but so has the Hawks. And they're still a young team that does well building through the draft. You know, uh, and I and I think that if you can add a DeAndre Hayden, uh, Kevin, it definitely adds to a locker room that's that's lacking a post presence, a consistent post presence, a guy that can definitely dominate down low, rebounds, blocks, uh, just a force. So DeAndre Hayden, if if that is in the cards, I think that will be a slam dunk for the Hawks. So we'll see what the Hawks do. Again, not a lot of potential rumors out there. DeAndre Hayden is one that, as Ben has said, is maybe the Best one that uh, that we've heard in regards to Atlanta making a move. We'll see what they decide to do. We've got a lot to get to here on this uh, Tuesday. Gronk is in the news. And we'll tell you why he's in the news when we come back and what that means for the National Football League. We'll do it next. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for being with us here on 3 and out. Gronk, that's all you have to say. And everybody, uh, Ben knows who you're talking about. Gronk. The one-name superstar, as you like to say. That's how you know when you've made it. You just say Peyton, Eli, Gronk, Lamar. You know you've made it as a big-time star. Well, Gronk apparently has decided he is retiring today. We put it out there on social media, told a couple of uh, uh, news outlets that he, he was retiring. My question is, before we get into all the other legacy stuff, do you believe he's retiring? Because before, <laughs> he was retiring, and then Tom Brady went to Tampa, and he said, well, maybe we'll give this another shot. Do you think he's actually done before we do any of the other stuff? I do, and this is why. There's nothing else he can do. Yes, he can go out there and play again, but he's already the most decorated tight end in NFL history. He has four Super Bowls. He has, what, 92 touchdowns. He has he has he has almost uh has almost uh, ten thousand yards, like six hundred and twenty something catches. He has the most receiving yards in postseason history by far. He has double digit postseason touchdowns, and the most important thing, he's never cashed the NFL check. He only lives off his endorsements. What else can he do, Kevin? Like think about it. He can add. He can add. To, it's it's it, it's like LeBron. LeBron can get another championship and. Oh, well, got, no, oh, now I, that those I, start become legacy rings at that but, but, point. But what, if you're talking but about what but what I'm but what I'm saying is what I'm saying is you get into this game to get as much money as you can, as many memories as you can, and to leave a legacy. He's done it. He's won everywhere. To, now the only way he would come back is if Tom Brady went to another team because everywhere Tom's won, he's won. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did it? Did it three times uh, with the Patriots. Did it, you know, did it, another, did it another time, obviously, with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Did it in the AFC, did it in the NFC. First Ballot Hall of Famer. The greatest tight end in NFL history name is Rob Gronkowski. That's taking nothing away from the greats, like Shannon Sharp, right? Like Travis Kelsey, right? But when you think about this, Kevin, if somebody says Sharp, you don't know if you're talking about Shannon Sharp. If somebody says Kelsey, you don't know if you're talking about his bro- Travis Kelsey or his brother. If somebody says Gonzalez, you don't know who he's talking. You don't know if you're talking about a football player or a basketball player. Gronk. <laughs> they had a year of Gronk, the year of Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, he's not the only reason, but he's probably the most prominent reason why the tight end position is a high, is a uh, a high caliber, highly sought after position now. Tight ends are making 14 to 15 million dollars a year now. That's because of Gronk. So if Gronk does, and this is the thing, Gronk is 33 years old. 
Gronk has played a lot in the postseason. Gronk has had a lot of injuries. Gronk ain't your average 33-year-old. Gronk go to the doctor, and they go look at them x-rays, and go, my goodness. So, yeah, man, I ain't got no cartilage left in these knees now. Like, and the thing about Gronk is you're going to remember the most is fierce competitor. Had a lot of fun doing it, Kevin. And I think the hardest thing for any football player to do is to know when to walk away. Like, I'm in relatively good health. I did well with my money. Hopefully, you know, my mind is intact, you know, enough to have a long life. Because football is an incredible opportunity. Incredible opportunity. But it has to end. Even Listen, one day, 2029 is going to end for Tom Brady, too. It ain't going to end today. But I think for Gronk, he's saying to himself, dude, what else can I do? I got four, I think, four-time four time first-team All-Pro. I think five-time Pro Bowler. Uh, the most the most receiving touchdowns in the season were like 18. Uh, I think he had 17 catch, uh, touchdowns in one season. Gronk has almost 100 touchdowns, and he's missed time. I think the most touchdowns in NFL history is like 115, and that's, uh, that's Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates, Hall of Famer. He ain't Gronk. Tony Gonzalez. Third all-time in catches, he ain't grunk. Jason Witten, fourth all-time in catches, he ain't grunk. And, and, and I think that what happens is, Kevin, is the tight end position. I played it. I was not who Grunk was. I was not the player that Grunk was. I did not bring the level of uh, attention that Grunk did. Grunk is the GOAT. Point blank, period. I don't care how you want to slice it. And that's even if. Now, but you were a little bit before the, yeah, yeah, the Grunk era where yeah. they, were, they weren't looking at guys at tight end like like him, yeah. right? I mean, they were they yeah, kind, of, a, kind of, they kind were, of, but, but well, not, well, not well, exactly. It's, well, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Charlie Ward and Danny Warford when they was running high, uh, you know, wide open offenses. Nobody else was doing it. They also won the Heisman when they did it. What are they doing now? Spread offenses. So that's Steve Spurrier being a little bit ahead of his time, right? Mark Ritt and, and company being ahead of their time with calling these plays. The thing about Gronk, Gronk came in the league at a time where people saying, hey, man, we need a guy to come along to really bring attention to the tight end position and nobody can turn away. Most guys you watch, you can turn away. Gronk never know what he's going to do. And every time in the big game he showed up, every Super Bowl he played in, he was a factor. Even in this last one with Tampa Bay, he was a factor. And I think, Kevin, too, nobody wants nobody wants to see the last time you saw me. You know, I'm just I'm just barely getting along. I'm just, I don't want that. Like, I want, I want it to be a Kobe Bryant 60 points the last time we saw him on the court. 60. Now, he took a lot of shots to get there, and obviously everybody knew he was going to do it, but he did it. Gronk is saying, hey, man, the last time I was on the football field, I gave you all I had. I'm done. I'm 33 years old. I did right by it. I did not cheat the game. The main thing about any player is, hey, man, you want to walk away with no regrets. If you gave it all you had, you can live with it. And I think with Gronk, like I said, what else can he do? I want another, I want another Super Bowl. We forget this, though. Gronk has, what, four Super Bowls. How many AFC right. championship rings does he have? He has an NFC championship ring. So I know, we, I know we're going to get to the Golden State Warriors. This man has a treasure chest of rings. He really does. So, hey, Gronk, man, we're going to miss you. Uh, the greatest to ever do it. That's going to be a hard uh, act to follow. And why is he different than, like, say, a Shannon Sharp? Like, He's different. because a lot of people would say he was the best. Shannon, Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp to me is a, is the is the uh, is the second greatest Titan of all time. He's the second greatest of all time. Gronk to me, uh, Gronk was not the greatest athlete. 
Like, when we look at LeBron, great athlete. Sure. Kobe, great athlete. Sure. Gronk is not a great athlete. Gronk was a clumsy athlete. Gronk was a guy that said, hey, man, I'm going to show you what I do. If you Listen, you put me in the right offense, man, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. Right? And if I get the ball in my hands, I'm going to make defenders pay. Because that's what he did. And Gronk is the most complete tight end I've ever – Gronk could block his patootie off. He could. <laughs> Look, I, I think what may I think what makes Gronk the greatest, Kevin, is you're not a Patriots fan. You're not a Bucks fan. You're a Gronk fan. That's what's hard to do. Most teams we watch because we're a fan of that team. I watch Gronk. Why? Because he's must see TV. I watch Travis Kelsey. Right? They must see TV. Certain guys, you know, they they're a good team. They you know they're good players. They ain't Gronk. Like like Gronk was a personality that never like out of everybody that was with the Patriots. Gronk was different. He was like a frat boy, kind of, as a football player. But he was a hell of a football player. Does Gronk get the, but yeah, you did it all with Tom Brady. No. Because you, but, you you left the Patriots yeah. and followed Tom Brady. No, because everybody who played with Tom Brady, ain't, everybody with Tom Brady ain't going to have a Hall I get of Fame career. I like, get it. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just asking the question. If like if that follows, it's like, hey, yeah, you did it with Tom Brady. No, no, because because the thing about it is, is um, people think just because as much as Tom Brady made Gronk, Gronk made Brady too. It's it's a it's a it's a catch twenty two. It's like Gronk is. I mean, Tom Brady has had more tight ends than Gronk. He had he had Daniel Graham. He had Ben. He had uh, Ben Watson, right? He had Algie Crumpler, right? They won Gronk. Matter of fact, uh, uh, OJ Howard that went first round out of Alabama. He was with Tampa. You couldn't even tell he played with Tampa because they had Gronk. And all, and all I'm saying is, Kevin, everybody has a player to say, you go, dude, if I could just get this dude here, because we got chemistry. Stockton and Malone, chemistry. Jordan Pippen, chemistry. Kobe and Shaq, chemistry. The thing about the thing about Tom Brady, he says this, listen, if I need a play, I'm going to Grunk. I don't care what the coverage is. And, Kevin, he had fun doing it. Grunk was about, you know, interviews, uh, partying. But when, it, but when when he put that A7 on his chest, man, this is what makes Gronk the GOAT. Gronk was with the Patriots. <laughs> the Detroit Lions traded for him. Because you remember the defensive coordinator for the Patriots went over mm-hmm. to Detroit. When Gronk found out he was traded to Detroit, he retired. Because once you retire, your contract is void. And then he signed with with, uh, with Tampa Bay. <laughs> With Tampa Bay, so the man understands economics. He understands contracts. But Kevin, you know just like I know, if Rob Gronkowski is on the field, the game is different. He plays sure. the game in a different way. Certain guys just play the game different. And he was one of those guys. He will be missed. There are there are young people coming up in football that want to play tight end. They don't want to play receiver, right? They don't want to play in the slot. I want to play tight end. That's because of Gronk. Now, he's not the sole reason, but the fact that somebody go, if Rob Gronkowski was hosting an award show that had nothing to do with sports, you would know. That's Gronk. How many guys you know him without their helmet on? Not many. You know who Gronk is. Shout out to him. Love to meet him one day. Love to interview him one day. Just Just to tell him, thank you, man. Thank you for doing what only he could. Like, certain guys need a group of guys to make the position great. He didn't need a group. He was a one-man band. And that's and that, that that listen, you don't think a Darren Waller benefited. Darren Waller came up to the NFL as a big receiver, and then he came over to, to the Raiders and look at what's going on. 
Look at Travis Kelsey. Look at Kyle Pitts. Look at Mark Andrews. Look at Zach Ertz. Look at Jacecki. Look at Godair. And the list goes on and on. These dudes saying that's the – everybody got to have a barometer. It is Gronk. 8-7, we going to miss you. Somewhere he's spiking a gallon of milk <laughs> right now. But Gronk, you know, uh, well, Frank Sinatra, whatever, he did it his way. He did it his sure, way. I, and, yeah. and, that, and that's what – because, Kevin, at the end of the day, as a player, I don't control a lot of things. I control – I want to control, you know, when I walk away from this game and did I do it my way, did I not cheat the game, I think Gronk, he checks all those boxes. He will be missed. And whoever is a tight end for Tampa this year, watch how much different it is, no matter who it is, no, no, because, no. because no matter who it is, it ain't Gronk. No chance come week 10. Ring, ring. Hey, man. Oh, well, listen, hey, man, listen. it's Tom. I know you said. Listen, listen anything's possible. you follow that paperwork with the NFL yet? Hey, oh, listen, listen anything, I, anything's possible. You know, I'm just saying. But think about this. The only person that can get him to do it is Tom Brady. Like, he's the only one, right? I mean, it ain't it ain't nobody on the organization other than Tom, you know. I mean, and 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 I and I think sometimes, Kevin, when you got guys that have that type of influence, like, I wouldn't be surprised. This this is no lie. Tom Brady is probably gonna have his dad, you know, like introduce him for the Hall of Fame. If there is a number two, it's Gronk. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or or you know, and it's a it's a gazillion Gronkowski's. So yeah, which one? Pick which one. Which one you go? But <laughs> but but listen, shout out to, shout out to Rob Gronkowski, man. I think at the end of the day, to know that he only he didn't play, he didn't have a twenty year career. He had a what ten year, eleven year career coming out of Arizona. I did not see him becoming the player that he did. But hey, man, I don't know who's the greatest player in Arizona history. I Teddy Bruschi. Teddy Bruschi, maybe. I don't Teddy, know. I'm just Teddy Bruschi has three. Gronk had listen. Teddy Bruschi was a part of the first. Think about that. Teddy Bruschi was a part of the first three, and they thought the dynasty was gone. Nope, because Gronk was a part of the second three. So when they doing man in the arena with uh with a uh, Tom Brady, they gonna be like, all right, Gronk, man, you are gonna have like your own section. Why? Let's talk about talk about what you know what you got, how you guys used to hang out. But shout out to Gronk, man. Four championships, Kevin. I just wanted to make a Super Bowl. He got four. First team All Pros four. First team all pros to and me. Meanwhile, is the, Tom's been to how many? <laughs> oh, oh, Tom, Tom, listen, Tom Brady's been to Tom Brady's been to ten Super Bowls. Gronk with him went to four, five, six. So Gronk, so out of the ten, Gronk was a part of six, right? Oh, and and uh, when they when they won the Super Bowl against um against the Rams, who you think caught the, who you think was who you think was making all the clutch catches? That would be Gronk. And they have a, uh, uh, I can't even think his name right now. Uh, receiver for the Rams, his, his name is just escaping me right now. They, they just won the MVP, uh, this last Super Bowl. Oh, uh, uh, the one that couldn't nobody cover this year for the Rams. I, I can't. I can't. You gonna put me? I, I'm. I'm gonna draw. I'm. 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 I'm gonna think about it when we get off. But uh, as soon as I go to break, yeah, but, but, come but to you. just notice though, Kevin. At the end of the day, Gronk gonna be missed. He was the man. I don't care who you are. It's going to be debatable who thinks is the greatest, who's this and I think it's Gronk because he got the rings. He got the prestige. He got the postseasons. He got the influence. Shout out to the homie. Gronk, let me hold something because I know you got plenty of cheese. <laughs> We've got more to come here. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on this Tuesday. We'll hear from Akil Blunt coming up uh, next hour. Also, Rich Styles, the Back Nine Boys Golf Show will join us. We'll talk some... Uh, golf with him, but Ben, every day, every day, we find crazy stuff 
on the internet. And it, it's out there, and this went viral. And I immediately thought of you. That's why I tagged you in the in the uh, in the tweet. But a dude, and people were saying it wasn't in the United States; it was in Australia. I I don't care where it is. Quite frankly, a dude is being charged, not legally, but being charged at by an alligator. Or, or some people said it was a croc. I don't care which what, what it is. An and, and, and the guy stands there and hits the 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 gator in the face. With a frying pan. The gator kind of steps back. Guy steps forward and hits him again. And the gator runs off. Who are these people? I mean, who are these people? In the past week, Ben Troop videos have brought me people wrestling like a 30-foot anaconda in the river. Where you were on his home turf, by the way. (laughs) A guy smacking a charging alligator in the face with a frying pan. Like, what is wrong with people? Like, I'm not sticking around long enough to slap a gator in the face, Ben. Like, I'm, I'm not doing it. They say I don't have to be very fast. I just got to be faster than, faster than you, right? I, like, I don't, what is wrong with people? I, I, I will say this, Kevin, now. In, 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 in that person's defense, we don't. you saw how fast that gator's moving. So it's not like the person that was hitting it was like, hey, dude, I didn't have time to react. <laughs> so, I, I mean, they, now, now the skillet, hey, man, I heard if you hit it. Alligator on their snout, nose, they're going to – but I think what happened was you go boom, boom. That's not a thing, is it? I, I, I've heard mean, that about sharks. You hit them in the nose. Like, well, obviously, if a well, shark's no, biting yeah, your yeah, leg yeah, off, yeah, hey, order, let me order, punch it in the nose yeah, real quick. In order to hit a shark in the nose, <laughs> you got to be where the shark lives, which that's a no-no. But I, I will say this, Kevin. Look, you you start having these filters on your phone, and obviously our phones be listening to us. I just get the crazy stuff. When you send it to me, I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. But let me tell you something. I'm not as swift or as nimble as I used to be, but I would have put it to the test that time. <laughs> the fact they had enough wherewithal to hit him with the skillet, hey, man. And then do that, it again. Like, that, get that, back. That, that, skillet, that, skillet, that, that skillet should be in the family forever. But, they, but thinking about the alligator, they got to go back in the water and say, dude, you really got Yeah, man, they hit me hard as hell with that skillet, yeah. man. No, man, hey, crazy videos. We get them every single day. Not yeah. only that, you got the two people using the skillet with the helmets on hitting each other, which is even crazy. That's true. There are two people wearing, like, night helmets, sitting down, taking turns, hitting each other in the head with a frying pan. Like, I, I don't know what, like, then we, I, I said this for a show. We have more access to information than at any other time in human history, and we are dumb, dumb, dumb. <sighs> www. What the hell is like, going like, on? It's, it's 2022. You know what's popular on the internet? Slap fighting and apparently now hitting dudes upside the head with, uh, with frying pans, and people think that uh, you know animals can't fight back. No, no, they sold a lot of DVDs on exactly the opposite. <laughs> when animals attack and win, not doing it. I'm not sticking around long enough to hit a gator in the face with a with a frying pan. But have you seen, you know what I'm talking about with the slap fighting? Yes. Oh, guys, have you seen it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You yeah, get yeah. like a 280 pound Russian dude. He's like. Bam. He like you know dislodges all your teeth and you're uh, supposed you, to sit you, there and take yeah, it. You, you it's already, like you already I think that it'd be some little guy that swing first and the big guy goes <laughs> yeah. just get it all out. Yeah, because you're about to be knocked out. You're about to be slept. <laughs> I will say that at what point when you're, if you're that guy do you think yeah this was a good idea? This guy's got arms as big as my legs. <laughs> he hasn't shaved in two and a half years, and he bench presses a truck in the morning, and I'm gonna let him smack me in the face. I hope you got paid. That's all That's all I was saying. We'll come back. Take three around the corner. Rich Styles, Akil Blunt next hour as well here on 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Hour two of three and out. Glad you're with us here on this Tuesday. Kevin and Ben will chat with Akil Blunt, former FAMU linebacker, Dolphins and Steelers uh, linebacker, son of Mel Blunt, uh, legendary NFL cornerback. Uh, also, Rich Styles will join us, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Matt Fitzpatrick wins the U.S. Open for his first major. Will Zalatoris, another second. Is he uh, kind of one of those up-and-comer uh, new age Phil type stories where he has got top tens all over the place and no major for quite some time on Brooks Kepka uh, going to the live tour. So he is the latest defector to go over to the Saudi backed uh, live tour. We'll talk to uh, Rich Styles about that coming up in just a little bit. But Ben, let's take three first of all, shall we, here on uh, this Tuesday. All right, take one. If John Collins is indeed gone, and there's a lot of speculation that the Hawks are looking to trade him, who fits best with Trey Young? Woo, man. As far as big men, I mean, I love DeAndre Aiden. I mean, I just love what he brings to the table. I think he's a guy that really, really understands how to, you know, uh, benefit from a bad court that has a guy like Hunter and, uh, and uh, Trey Young. But Kevin, a guy who, unless he wants to just – Make a bunch of money and never win anything. Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal would be huge. Because people go, well, why Bradley Beal? Well, Bradley Beal played with John Wall. That did that, that really didn't work out. Right? John Wall is a you know a really, really good player, but never ever really made his teammates better, more athletic than really being a distributor. I think a guy like Bradley Beal, you're adding a shooter, you know, you add you add the mentality, kind of like kind of have, you know, uh like a Jimmy Butler type mentality. And he's tired of Washington, right? I mean, Washington right now has the Wizards and the Commanders. Come on. No one wants to deal with that. So I think <laughs> that Bradley Beal will be huge for that backcourt. And I think if you can get a guy like DeAndre Hayden, uh, Kevin, a guy who obviously is coming up on the second uh, contract, wants to be in a team that matters with players, that matters superstar like Trey Young. Trey Young and DeAndre Hayden, I think real similar to kind of like a Devin Booker, the way uh, Trey Young plays. Give me DeAndre Hayden 1 and Bradley Beal 1B. Apparently had the wrong – I've had the wrong uh, take three music going the whole time, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good call though with uh, with uh, with Trey Young again. I think you want him to still be the focal point. You got to find somebody who's okay being the Pippen to your Jordan, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess, so to speak, is the best way to put. It. All right, moving along. Take two. Uh, ben Colin Marikawa, uh, PGA Tour golfer, uh, took to Twitter today saying he's staying with the PGA Tour uh, when. It was kind of rumored earlier that he might be the next wave after Brooks Kepka uh, to leave. He said, no, I'm playing with the uh, the PGA Tour. He said, why don't you just ask me first next time I'm staying. And then later in the tweet, went on to say he was now going to go back to putting cereal in his milk. So my question is not about the PGA Tour. It's not about the, who, who puts milk in the bowl first. Have you ever done that? Like, no. It's called a weirdo. Major league weirdo. Weirdo. No, no. You are a weirdo. People go, oh, what been? What lets you know people are in weirdo categories? Okay. Here's another weirdo. A person that has a convertible that goes through the drive-thru and let their window down to get their food. Your top is off. <laughs> Reach over the window. Here's well, another that can be kind of hard. Here, here, here's another window. I mean, here's another weirdo. <clears throat> people that, I don't know, at... 17 and 18 year olds because they didn't choose your school to go to college. You are a weirdo. <laughs> but if I ever go to your house, no. Oh, people who order boneless wings, <laughs> you are a weirdo. 
People who ask, traditional or boneless? No, no, no. That's all. No, a wing is traditional. That, 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 that. That's it. There is not. <laughs> what is this? The non-traditional? No. If I go to your house, never in. Listen, cereal is one of those things you do not need instructions to eat them. Right? Put the milk in the bowl. Then it's I mean, what else do you do? Do you put the milk in the Do you put the milk in a glass and just drop the cookies in them? <laughs> no, just drop them in. Just let them float to the bottom. What? Or do you dip them? I've never seen that before. Like, no, no. Yes, I have. I seen. It was a guy making a video. And he poured the milk in the he poured the milk in the bowl, and then he put the cereal. And the people were like, what are, you, "What are you doing? Number one, you can't put as much cereal in the bowl it messes when you up got your the milk ratio. at the top. Like, number look, look, there are certain things like you should keep to yourself. Like, I've never had meat, Sam Howe. <laughs> yeah, I only what's eat, the steak taste like? I, I never don't know. had meat. I never had a hamburger. I never had steak. I only eat, what do you eat, man? Chicken nuggets. Chicken nugget. <laughs> I bring my chicken nuggets. If we're going to have a meal, I bring mine. Chicken nuggets <laughs> are for children. Okay? Matter of fact, that's how you introduce most children yeah. to chicken. To chicken nuggets. So, the cereal, no, no, it's called cereal. You can eat cereal by itself. But then, if you're putting the milk in there, that's some weird stuff, yeah. man. It messes up to me. I, I, I've, I've maybe done it by Kevin, accident, Kevin, but it messes up the ratio. Kevin, you got to always cereal first. If you were then, on vacation, minding your business, <laughs> going down for the continental breakfast, and, then and somebody over there is like, can I get that milk for a second? And they pour it in a bowl. <laughs> then they open up the cereal, and they, do, and they put it in. Are you saying, do you look at them and go, dude, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Dude? No, yeah. And he goes, don't you, don't, don't you eat cereal? I eat cereal the way it's supposed to be eaten? Yeah. You're having, you're having cereal with your milk. That's what you're doing. No, sir. Now, do I drink the milk depending on the cereal? Leave a nice little sugariness at the bottom? Yeah. What are you doing? No, I've, I've gone so far as to even say if they don't have, like, the the uh, you know the little cartons, if you're at the continent, you put the cereal in the bowl, and then I've even put the milk in a cup and then poured it in there. There it is. Like, no, you don't do milk first because that messes everything up. That's weird. <laughs> like, let's let, no, We're trying to avoid it. No, seriously, Kevin, that's weird. It, that's is, like, it, it really is. It throws people off. Like, dude, what are you? No, this is what you do. You walk off and say, you know that dude over there? That's that's. If you're eating next day, you go, that's him. Watch, 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 watch. He's finna pour the milk in the bowl. Yeah. You're like, a milk first kind of guy. And, and no, no, no. He, gets the, he gets the milk, <laughs> pours in the bowl, gets the cereal, and puts it next to the milk, and walks to his table and go, so what the hell are you about to do, bro? <laughs> I'm about to put this in here. You about to put that in what? <laughs> hey man, I, I'm telling you, look, look. As no, basically what he's saying is this: as weird as you think you are, there's, there's always some people, people in this world yeah. who are who can't hold a finger to him. Hundred percent is there. Are, there's another weirder, stranger person out there. No question. Speaking of weird things, today, Ben, we love the national holidays. Is National Skateboard Day? Want to know? In honor of National Skateboard Day, can you ride? A skateboard. Nope, not doing it. Not attempting it. Not doing it. I mean, that had that had. Would you try to do like some Tony Hawk stuff? Like nope. Some... <laughs> nope, nope. Because Kevin, Kevin, it's like this. It's like when we ask you, what what would be your favorite, uh, you know, winter sport thing? You say, oh, the skeleton or whatever you said. It's like no, some... I didn't say. I said I said I would try it once. Now I might get in an accident, but I would try Ain't nobody it. Nobody in it. But it's put the guardrails. <laughs> put the guardrails. It's like you got the bumpers, like like. And Kevin time. <laughs> He's got shooting over the side. You have to stop. Uh, boom. Bam. Boom. No. There are certain things, right? That as you get older, you realize you've aged out of these things. Skateboarding is one of those things you leave it alone. I remember at one point, 
Just like the rollerblades. Have you, you know? ever been able to ride? I've never been able to ride a skateboard. Uh, I've, I've yeah, tried. Yeah, I, and I'm I've, been, I've been able to ride a skateboard before. Yeah, I have. I, I never really got into the tricks of it. I was more, you know, I was more just like a, you know, at a skating rink type skater. The, the whole like, the whole like, uh, like skateboard stuff. Because you know, at a certain point, you're gonna want to see a little ramp or somebody. One of your friends gonna make a ramp. Come on, let's go. All right. Next thing you know, and you gonna hit the air. Eh. <laughs> I never had the knee pads, never had the elbow pads. Tony Hawk is ageless. Like Tony Hawk is like a Tom Brady. Oh, he still gets out there and, and rides and all that. That's what I'm saying. Tony Tony Hawk is like he's the Godfather. He's the he's the he's the he's the you know creator. I mean, he's the end all be all. But the answer to your question, Kevin, no, absolutely not, not doing it because it's kind of like uh, you know you know it's gonna go bad, and once your body start listen, the skateboard is gonna go one way. Your body's gonna go the other way. That's usually and, how it went for me. So. And, that, and it's not listen. And it's not. And and there's nothing gonna be able to break your fall. Then you walking <laughs> the around. Concrete. Yeah. Crack. Boom. <laughs> bang. Oh shoot. And, and this is the thing, right? You notice when guys fall off skateboards, sometimes it is horrific, and they get up. Oh, dude, you wiped out. Oh, no, mine's gonna be. Oh. Like Kevin, I don't know if I I, I showed you the um the video when the lady. Got into a fight with the screen door. The screen door won. <laughs> you did. And she's just laying you there. <laughs> you know, because you know what was behind that screen door? Concrete. And she's just laying there. The police officer said, ma'am, are you okay? She's on the ground like, yeah, I'm okay. Well, ma'am, you're not moving. I'm all right. Should I call an ambulance? No, I'm, I can't let you see it. I'm not doing it. Because, Kevin, listen, everything goes viral now. Everything is a meme. Everything. Everybody wants to be able to, you know, uh, record stuff. Not doing it. Now, Kevin, yeah. you know, the athletic arrogance has to have a barrier. This is mine. Leave it alone. I've never been able you to. go, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I would say this, too. It lives on the older, you, the older you get, this is how you know you're getting older. Not old. Older. How long does it take you to get off the ground if you fall? Like, how long does it? Ah, you like, ah. You like, hey, man, what's wrong with you? My, I, tw- I, man, I twisted my ankle. But you <laughs> fell on your back. Yeah, but my ankle hurt. <laughs> yeah. I ain't got time for yeah. it. Tony Hawk, keep doing what you're doing, sir. You are, yeah. you are aging like wine. Me, no. I'm yeah, see, like- I would, I would, I've never been able to. I think the farthest I've ever been able to like ride a skateboard is probably like ten feet, and that's about it. And I jumped off because I thought I was about to fall over. Just horrible balance on those things. So no, I'm not even trying the Tony Hawk. So I would. And BJ said I was a liar. Ride the beat. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> He's saying I wouldn't do it. He said I wouldn't ride. I told him I would get on one of those BMX bikes and go down the little ramp. And you know how they go down the ramp and then they go over and they do the little jump and come down? Uh-huh. I would do that. I wouldn't be doing any tricks. I wouldn't be like, well, hey, already, let me spin these well, handlebars well, around. Well, no, but no, I would you, do it. No, what, not? You, no, what you're really telling PJ is, I've already had children. No, not Pete. No, BJ. Oh, you've already told BJ. I, I already have children. Because when you go, uh, yeah. uh, Kevin. Uh, no, you don't sit down on the seat. That's uh, asking for trouble. But okay, hold on, Kevin. This thing. Hey, hold on. Okay. At what point do you realize I need to stop a grin? Next up, Kevin. So, uh, <laughs> are you screaming? Uh, you don't think it would time. be fun to go oh, down a little ramp? I would. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I still have that sense of adventure. Now, when I get up here at the top, I might be like, ooh, this is a bad idea. I can't back thing. out now. Okay, ah! this thing. Now, you go up, and once you hit the air, do you still hold on to the back, or do you go, ah! You no, you can't, no, you can't let go. If you let go, you're asking to get messed up. No, you go down, you get to catch a little air, and then you go down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I just realized you said BJ. <laughs> now, I'm amazed that BJ goes, so wait a minute. You're going to, Yes. <laughs> 
So you tell, yes, BJ, don't ask. Yes, I'm telling you that I would, me, go down. I'm not saying it doesn't take ability. I'm just saying I would do it. I'm not trying to pull off tricks like they are. Because he was like, oh, you would crash and die. I'm like. Would you would you would you yeah. rather would you rather do that? You're going with the down bike, the other bills. No, or would you rather, bike. Or would you rather do like the little? You know they got the little. Would you rather do the, uh you know the one the little ramp they got with like uh like rollerblades? I'm not doing anything with rollerblades, but it, no. <laughs> I feel more comfortable on a bike than landing rollerblades. One hundred percent. I mean, Kevin. I mean, <laughs> oh yes. No, no, no. Oh yes. At what? Why yeah. would I? Why would I be out here rollerblade Kevin's jumping like, at this oh, point? One hundred percent. That's all we go. We go, Kevin. Yeah, listen, we got a bike over here. You what? We, we got a bike right over here. Let's do I, it. Kevin's like, it's next time. Kevin Thomas. I'm like, yes. Get your cameras ready, people. And then and he, he literally, and right before, and right before you get going, you look in the corner, and who you see? There go Christian. You punk. <laughs> yeah. Don't you, got his camera rolling. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not saying I would. Like I said, I'm not saying I would do any tricks. I'm saying now, what I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do like the big air of like the winter and like the skis. Like I'm not doing that. I'm no, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, Kevin, bam. Because <laughs> that's as soon as you come off the ramp, you're like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> you know what I'm talking uh, about. Uh, so it's you like want the big ski one. Yeah, the big skis, and you uh, come down. Uh, I'd go. I'd go to Lena. Hold on, that's what it really is supposed to be, though. Uh, uh, oh no, no, no! Boom, bam. <laughs> Now, I feel like I'd be more like you'd get to the end of the ramp and it'd be like just straight down. You know what you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you have no upward direction, you just go over the edge and fall right. over. Uh, but even if you jump a little farther, you got to land it. Kevin, you uh, Oh no, I'm not landing it. <laughs> <laughs> I might fall over before I even get down the ramp. Going, uh, it's gonna hurt. Yeah. And then you up What if I fell before I even got down the ramp? And the thing is, is that thing has grooves in it where they like all go down the same. Listen, it's, it's, it's gonna be bad. There's a re- listen. Stay away from things that you think you want to do, because there's a reason why only certain people on the planet can do it. Just because you can do it, don't mean you should do it. Because once you do it, your body will not like you after. It's going to be bad. Understand? If there are people who do it for a living that crash, what do you think you're gonna do? <laughs> we got more to come. That's take three. Hopefully not crash as we go through the rest of this hour, and we'll chat with Akil Blunt. He'll join us next here at 3 now on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome, welcome back to 3 and Out. I am Ben Troop. He is Kevin Thomas. Over the, the last week, man, I was blessed enough to be able to go to the Black Sports Biz Symposium, the first of its kind. And, man, you meet so many interesting people when you're at an event like that. My next guest doesn't get much incredible uh, than him. I mean, a former Florida A&M linebacker, you know, uh, got, played for the Miami Dolphins, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, also played – for the Orlando Apollos, the great Akil Blunt. What's going on with you there, Akil? What's going on, Ben? Man, I appreciate you having me on. You and Kevin, I know you're doing great things, so I appreciate you guys. And Akil, man, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you are, you know, the son of Mel Blunt. But when I met you at the Black Sports Business Symposium, I, I, you know, I told you that. I said, look, man, I want to have you on to be able to talk about, you know, your journey going to Florida A&M, you know, or playing in the National Football League, being the son of a great, but really just, you know, your journey thus far. Talk about, uh, you know, your journey, because a lot of times when we hear about great players, we never, ever know what the offspring of those players have to go through. Talk about your journey uh, going to Florida A&M, playing in the NFL, playing in the AAF, and what you're doing now. Yeah, so one, I mean, it was just a, a pleasure and an honor to attend the 
Black Sports Business Symposium. I mean, it was a great event, and, you know, our relationship that we're able to form from that, I think, is just an example of the great opportunities that, you know, were, were cultivated from that event. So, um, you know, again, man, I appreciate you and the quick turnaround, too. We just met the other day, and we're already getting to work, so that's good. But it's always great to share, you know, my journey and my story because there's so many different things that I touch on within my story. And the first one that I always start with um, is faith and just what God has revealed to me through uh, my journey and through attending Florida A&M. You know, I I grew up on a farm, first of all, and I, I start with the farm because that's, you know, my foundation. Another one of my F's you know, that, that's, that's within my life. Uh, my dad, he was a country boy, grew up in Vidalia, Georgia, um, picking cotton, tobacco, peas, all the different kind of stuff. And it was just that, that essence of hard work that was instilled in him and that was later instilled into me, you know, at an early age. And I'll just jump to this, you know, right now is that, uh, yeah, my father, he did play football, um, but at the same time, he never really forced football on me he never you know made us work out but the one thing that he did teach us was uh fundamentals again i'll throw another f in there uh but you know fundamentals so for me it was the foundation the fundamentals the faith all those different kind of things that really um you know allowed me to travel my own journey and then regardless of what it was that you know i pursued if i had those core things then, you know, everything else would, would take care of itself. Um, and from, you know, the farm, I went to a, a private high school in Wheeling, West Virginia. wasn't really big for sports or football, but, you know, I just believe that if you, you know, work hard, play hard, um, wherever you're at, people will find you. And I actually started, you know, going to a game. It was the Atlanta Classic in Atlanta, Georgia. It was the Georgia Dome at this time. And Southern was playing Florida A&M. I was a senior in high school, and I thought I was going to play basketball, get all these basketball offers. They never came. We went 10-0 my senior year. Football was player of the year. Went down to, you know, Atlanta, and it's crazy to be walking, you know, up and down that field now in the capacity that I'm working. But Southern and FAMU offered me a scholarship. My dad went to Southern, but I said, hey, you know, I'm blazing my own trail. Ended up at Florida A&M. Um, and, you know, really a world of opportunity had opened up from there. And that's what I tell, you know, guys now that are, you know, still playing and going into their journey in college is that, you know, when you work hard and bet on yourself, there's things that God will do in your life that, you know, you never even knew were possible. And for me to go to the NFL, um, have that opportunity, uh, be on NFL teams and just be in the locker room, and, sit and put on a jersey and be there on the field working out, playing. Um, it, it was, you know, a dream come true. And even now to be working for the Atlanta Falcons um, in the role that I am, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the journey and I'm grateful for it. And Akil, you talk about your dad going to Southern. You talk about you going to Florida A&M. Talk about the HBCUs and how they're on display now. You look at what Deion Sanders is doing. At Jackson State, you look at, you know, uh, what Hugh Jackson is doing, you know, uh, at Grambling, you look at what Eddie George is doing at TSU. Talk about the spotlight that HBCUs are under now and what are people missing, especially when you talk about the NIL 
uh, aspect of things when it comes to HBCUs? And let me say this, not taking anything away from the Power 5 schools, but Power 5, Fab 5, First 5, whatever you want to call it, there's nothing like HBCUs. And I always say this, is that HBCUs are the pillars and the foundation of um, the, you know, our communities, especially the black communities, because at one point there was a time when, and we just celebrated Juneteenth, but there was a time when black students, black athletes, um, you know, black administrators and philosophers, they couldn't attend white institutions. And what we did was we went and we created our own institutions. We created our own higher education. And uh, those things, you know, flourished so that we could thrive and so that we could have, you know, give ourselves a, a opportunity of um, excelling and reaching higher. And I think that people sometimes um, forget that when they look at HBCUs right now is that, you know, these schools are putting out uh, the most doctors, the most lawyers, the, the most uh, graduates with uh, business degrees, um, vice presidents, you know, all these uh, different um, these different high-level people that, you know, our schools are putting out, um, and to see them get the notoriety that they deserve, uh, it's, it's about time, it's special, and what Deion Sanders is doing, you know, I just saw him this weekend at the Black College Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Um, he was there to support the new inductees, and, you know, it's, it's people like him, it's people like Hugh Jackson, um, Eddie George, who are, are really saying, you know, hey, this is, uh, you know, schools that I'm pouring into, you know, and I'm putting them on the map and help elevating them to um, the level that they should be. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's awesome to see. And for me, it, it just does, you know, my heart well being a product of HBCU. And the kid, you talk about, you know, you talk about faith. I mean, you talk about the fundamentals. You talk about the different things you learned from your father. You talk about what you're doing now. You know, I've been watching the, watching the game, like, the, you know, the, the classing in Atlanta to be working for the Atlanta Falcons. Talk about your influence now because now you're in a position to be able to influence the next generation, you know, of up-and-coming, uh, you know, former athletes, student athletes, because I think a lot of times when, when people see us as being former athletes, they think that sport is the only part of our lives. Just talk about your role with the Falcons and being able to, you know, uh, kind of like help the next generation and kind of find their footing in the corporate world? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question that you ask. And I think there's a lot of components to that question. But the one thing that I will say is that in life we go through so many um, different phases and God takes us through so many um, different experiences and seasons in our life. And sometimes we can't necessarily get stuck in a season or get stuck in one opportunity. And for me, and I think that every player that plays the game of football, um, you know, has to go through this at some point. But, you know, you're in college and you're one of the top players, you know, in your in high school, in college, et cetera. You know, you go, you have the opportunity to play in the NFL. And everywhere that you go, you're defined by your ability to play football, you, that number that you wear on the field, the helmet that you put on, the, the, the logo of the team that you wear. And, you know, at some point, that comes to an end. You're only playing four years in high school. You're only playing four years in college. You know, in the NFL, guys are lucky to have a two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-year career. 
But at the same time, you know, coaches always say, use the game and don't let the game, you know, use you. But just as much as you pour into the game, it'll give, you know, the same in return back to you. And there's only a certain amount of players in elite category of players that are able to play the game of football, you know, at a high level. And all the things that the game of football teaches you, you have to take those and be able to apply them into other areas of life, the hard work, the teamwork, the camaraderie, the overcoming adversity, the, um, the willingness to compete. All those things are what makes you uh, not better than anybody else, but having a different skill set and training than everybody else. And my thing right now, every day I wake up, I'm, I'm attacking it like it's game day. I'm approaching it like another day at practice and, you know, got to get better, got to make that transition. And for me, um, you know, when I had got released from the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh guy. Uh, I was, you know, I was pretty devastated, honestly. Um, but at the same time, when I talk about faith, it was an experience where God had used it to show me that I wasn't just a football player. You know, like LeBron says, uh, I'm more than an athlete, um, you know, more than an athlete. And that's, you know, that's what you are. Football is um, what you do, but it's not what defines you. Um, and to be able to go on and go back to grad school, um, make the transition into uh, the business world, into working, you know, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Atlanta Falcons, and then having, you know, my own, uh, you know, business ventures. Some of the most successful former athletes are those that have been able to make that transition and not get stuck in saying, oh, man, I was the best uh, quarterback of my time. I was the best receiver. No, you got to make that transition. Michael Jordan did it. He's a billionaire. LeBron is already making strides to make that transition. He's a billionaire. Magic Johnson, one of the greatest uh, businessmen, you know, in the country, made the transition. And, uh you know, football is a platform that allows you to be able to do that. And, you know, players got to use it. And that's one thing that I, you know, pride myself on. Akil Blunt, former FAMU linebacker, played for the Dolphins, played for Pittsburgh, played for the Orlando Apollos. Now doing big things for the Atlanta Falcons. Akil, man, I appreciate you taking the time today, big time. I appreciate you, Ben and Kevin. Man, you, you guys keep doing what you're doing, inspiring the world and, and, and changing the world. And one, one day at a time. I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Akil uh, <clears throat> Blunt joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. And a lot of golf news uh, coming off a major. Some of it I'm sure the PGA Tour loves and some of it they do not, but it continues to be a busy news time in the world of golf. And joining us here, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, Rich Stiles, joins us on 3 and Out. Rich, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good, and I just want to say that I am not going to the LIV Tour. <laughs> they have not come to you with the, uh, with the big money uh, as of yet. Uh, Rich, you look, let, let's start first with the, with the major. Uh, for all the people who said, hey, uh, to me, Saturday, Sunday is what the PGA Tour has going for it that you can throw back at the Live Golf's face is that, look, that's drama, it's excitement, it's action, 
It's guys trying to compete to win an ultimate prize, and you had maybe one of the uh, the best driving performances on a Sunday uh, there from Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, to me, it had everything you wanted in a in a successful golf major. Oh, you bet. I mean, it was a great tournament. I mean, to come down like they did with so many guys within a couple of shots and, you know, one hole here or there, one birdie, one bogey here or there could have changed the entire outcome. Um, and I think last week when we talked, you asked what the final score would be, and I said I would be very uh, hesitant to say that it would be over 10 and it was under. Um, and it's just a tough course. I mean, a lot of rough, which is, you know, U.S. Open type, that's what they have all the time is a lot of rough, fast greens, uh, you know, deep sand traps, uh, you know, to be able to win a major tournament with six under par, um, you know, it's a pretty good tournament, and pars did win coming in, and Fitzpatrick played great, so did Zalatoris, uh, again, another second for him, um, and as you and I were talking about, uh, he's rivaling Phil as far as being second in majors, but you know, he played second at the Masters. Uh, when this guy does win, uh, it's going to be one of many. And Fitzpatrick just played brilliantly, putted great, kept the ball in play, and just hung in there. And, Rich, how much how much of what everything's going on kind of like takes away? You look at me, I mean, obviously you're talking about a guy like Fitzpatrick who won, but with all the, with all the theatrics going on, we forget the fact you got guys like Fitzpatrick out there, you know, winning a major. And then how much is it? kind of like bittersweet for him because, yes, he won it, but we also focused on the live tour, the players that wasn't even nowhere near the leaderboard. I think, you know, Fitzpatrick wasn't even thinking about the live tour. He was thinking about trying to win a major uh, in the United States, and he did. And these guys are out there that are on the PGA Tour. They may think about the live tour, but once the tee gets into the ground on Thursday – and they know they've got four rounds that they have to play. I mean, these guys are concentrating mentally, physically, uh, to try and put up the best scores that they possibly can over that four-day period. And that's all they're thinking about. And come Sunday, anybody within three or four shots of that lead was going to have a chance. And, you know, Fitzpatrick didn't pull away, uh, and the other guys didn't chase. So, you know, McElroy kind of fizzled uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, didn't play his best golf, uh, probably a lot of pressure trying to win again. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of pressure out there uh, mentally and physically. You've got to keep the ball in play, and when you get in that high rough, it's almost like i got to guess where it's going to go. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Rich, you look at Will Zalatoris. Uh, is his run here to start his career? I, maybe it's unfair, and I know we hate doing it, but is it kind of like Phil-esque where it's like, it's only a matter of time, but you're also at the same time going, my goodness, how many top fives, top eights, top twos is this guy going to get before he breaks through and, uh, you know, literally missed a playoff by a whisker uh, there on Sunday? Well, I just like to have his deposit flips. I think he's doing pretty well. Um, he's making a lot of money. Uh, you know, you play second, you put yourself in the tournament again for next year. Uh, you put yourself in a lot of different places. Your world ranking goes up. And, uh, you know, he is going to win. There is no doubt about it. I think he needs to improve his putting a little bit. Uh, you know, they were showing some of his putting on the uh, close-ups on TV, and it's kind of a, a, a different putting stroke. It's not fluid. It's kind of jerky. Uh, but he putted well. Uh, he stayed in there. Uh, just became one shot short, just like he 
has in some other tournaments. But believe me, when he starts to win and gets that first win under uh, his belt, uh, there's going to be more to come. And Reggie, I mean, even even uh, you know Zalatoy, he comes up, he comes up, uh, you know, one shot. I mean, you're talking about the second the second uh, place finish he had. You got a guy in Matt Fitzpatrick won his first major. How hard is it to win a major? Because we we see how incredible these guys are. You talk about their focus; they are the best golfers in the world. But how hard is it to win a first major or win a major at all? It's very difficult. I mean, how hard is it to win a Super Bowl? How hard is it to win a World Series? How hard is it to win an NBA championship? It is very, very hard. In golf, it is even more hard, uh, or more harder. I'm not sure which is the correct English. But the point of the matter is it's totally up to you. You have no teammates. You have a caddy that's kind of advising you, but the execution is totally within your physical ability, your mental ability, your confidence, whether or not you can hit the shot that you want to hit, the distance you want to hit it. It's, I think it's one of the hardest sports I've ever played, and I played a lot of baseball when I was growing up. And uh, I think golf is, without a doubt, the hardest sport I've ever played, and it is very, very tough to play on the PGA Tour. You'd be amazed at how many people have won on the PGA Tour, and their careers are still something you look at and say, boy, these guys are really, really good. Um, that's what the ad says, but they are good but they've only had one or two PGA Tour wins because there's so much good, great competition out there. It's just hard to win. Well, Rich, when you uh, you talk about that great competition, I guess that's the perfect segue because, again, the PGA Tour has some steam uh, taken out of sales, coming out of a great U.S. Open. And then Tuesday morning, uh, it's Brooks Kepka going to the, the Live Tour. Abraham Answer going to the Live Tour. These are two guys, what, top 50 uh, type guys. Uh, I know Brooks Kepka cares about the majors. It seems like, you know, I know all the news was, hey, the live guys weren't even making the cut, but they got to play uh, the majors, which to me is still the the big story here. But Brooks, are you sub- sub- surprised that uh, he's now bounced out? And do you still expect there to be, to be more? And I know it seems to be a running kind of tale that every time a guy defects, it's, oh, well, that guy's kind of a jerk and he's only this and he's only that and he's past his prime. It's like, but these are these last couple of guys. They're named guys. Whether they play well or not, people know who they are, and you're having to fill that void with guys. We don't know who they are on the PGA Tour at this point. Uh, what was your kind of thoughts when you heard Brooks was uh, was going to dip to the Live Tour? Well, I've been saying for about a month that as soon as I heard that uh, Brooks's brother was in the Live uh, mix, as far as the 48 players, I was pretty confident that he would not be far behind. I think that might have been the deal at the beginning. Um, I have nothing to back that up except an opinion. Um, and uh, when when Chase was given the opportunity to play on the LIV tour uh, without having any kind of status whatsoever, it was kind of like Brooks says, I'll be along. Let me get through the U.S. Open and see how I do, which he didn't do well. Um, and um, and I'll come along and I'll, and I'll join you. So uh, I wasn't surprised at Brooks. I was a little surprised at Answer uh, because he is sponsored by RSM, one of his many sponsors, and now he will not be able to play in the RSM Classic that's held here on the island in November. Uh, so he'll lose that sponsorship, but I'm sure he'll make it up with what he's being paid by the LIV. And I also do think there are more to come. I mean, the bottom line is this. Money talks. And whether they sign a two-, three-, or four-year contract, uh, they're going to make more money. 
They're going to be able to retire sooner. Uh, they only have to play 54 holes instead of 72. I think the biggest point right now, if I was in that position, which I'm not, but if I was in that position is would I join the LIV Tour and are they ever going to get world golf ranking points? If they don't get those, they will not qualify for majors at all. They have to have those points in order to qualify. So I know it's been they've been asked to join the world golf ranking, but whether or not it's approved is another matter. And if they don't get approved, then I think there's going to be some possible defectors. Who knows? Uh, but I think there's more to come that are going to go to LIV. But I also think a big sticking point at this point is, will they get world golf rankings by playing the LIV Tour? Yeah, Rich, quickly, I saw the PGA Tour did have an announcement of their own today where they're changing the fall schedule uh, around a little bit and upping the purse money. And I, I think a lot of people, uh, when you say, well, why would these guys leave, the guys that have kind of a grudge with the PGA Tour that maybe they're not doing uh, enough, uh, what the PGA Tour just found, what, uh, a couple hundred million dollars to throw to the fall series purses uh, to kind of up and entice some guys to play there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that was kind of like a force. I think they had to come up with some kind of an idea. Uh, but let's face it, uh, with the LIV, they only have to play three rounds. They have to play four in the PGA tournament. Uh, it may be no cut, but uh, how do you qualify to get in? So there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yes, they've up uh, and put in some more tournaments like that and up the money that they can earn. Uh, but who's going to get in? How are they going to qualify um, they still got to play four rounds compared to three. Uh, I still consider the LIV, even though they've got some bigger names than anticipated, uh, to be like a pro-am, to be like a member guest, um, uh, you know, like an exhibition match. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. And, you know, Greg Norman said that he wanted to coexist with the PGA Tour. Well, if he wanted to coexist with the PGA Tour, that should have been something they should have gotten together on a long time ago, before all this started, uh, before LIV started asking people to sign these contracts and throw in all kinds of unbelievable money at these guys. So coexist, uh, I'm not sure, is going to happen. I think they've already drawn the line. And I think even though Norman says they want to coexist, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, Rich Stiles, Back Nine Boys Golf Show, our guest here on 3 Out. Rich, we appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Rich Stiles joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back with more across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to have you back here. Final hour of 3 and Out on this Tuesday. He has been Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. Glad you were with us here on the program. Braves and Giants coming up later tonight. Michael Harris getting it done last night. Arcia with the walk-off. Braves starting pitching has been amazing, and they get more... Of it tonight with Spencer Strider. So a lot of uh, great things to look forward to. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But Ben, college football always in the news. And as we get close uh, to the start, are we getting close to two months here till the start of the uh, college football? Because I end there like uh, August 20-something uh, is the first game. I mean, maybe the 27th, so not too far off yeah, we, from, we, from we, the two-month mark. A little bit over two months away from the thing really jumping off. But, Kevin, I mean, that, that's what we have to do. We passed the time. We Football goes over now because of, you know, USFL and come next year to be USFL and XFL. You start thinking to yourself, we are college football, NFL football, 
you know, uh, you know, enthusiasts around here. But so much variety now. And Kevin, like I said, but it's, but it's always good when you root for a team in the bigs that's not only relevant, but it's defending World Series champs. So all to, to your other 29 teams, including the Evil Empire, deal with that. <laughs> because if you would have told me, Kevin, going into June, you said it. And Kevin, I don't know if I, Kevin, I don't know if I got to get you a three-piece suit and see how much, see how 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 well you count to go to Vegas. Because you said it in June with the Braves. This is a chance for them to really, really gain some confidence. 16 and 2 in the last eight out of in the last 18 games. I don't think it gets much better than that. No, it does not at all. And we'll talk more about that coming up as a chance to go uh seven, what, 17 and 2. In their last 19 games. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But college football, Ben, you look ahead to 2022 and everybody's excited about what could be. But who are some sleeper teams out there in college football? And, and by sleepers, I don't mean like, hey, there's a team we think is going to go 3-8, three and 3-9, uh, and eight, three and nine, and they end up making a bowl game. Now, who's, who's a team that's, you think, sitting there maybe 9-17, to 17, when the preseason polls come out, that might have a chance to get in the college football playoff and do some damage. I I, I think we could see one week one with Florida and Utah. I think Utah is a team that was within a whisker of winning the Pac-12 last year. And a lot of players coming back. Could Utah be one of those teams if they get by Florida that all of a sudden people go, well, look what's left? They might be able to find a way in there. You you talk could definitely be one of those teams, Kevin. But I, I I give you a team that hey, and I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. Oklahoma, you already know what they're going to do every year, right? It's that other sure. team. It's Texas. Oklahoma, new head coach. You know you're going to have talent. I think, but I think if you're talking about uh, you talk about like Steve Sarkeesian, you talk about Bijan Johnson and what they're going to what they, what they're going to be able to have at the running back position, Kevin. If they can find a way to build on some momentum. You put some wins together, and dare I say, make the Red River rivalry and get because because if you didn't see it in twenty twenty one, right? Oklahoma had no business winning. Spencer Rattler gets uh, Spencer Rattler he gets a uh, bench. Kayla Williams comes in, and the rest is history. I think Texas could be a sleeper a sleeper team because at the end of the day, you know, Kevin, it's not like they're gonna lack star power. It's not like they're gonna lack scheme. It's not like they're gonna lack talent. It's what can you put? What is the product on the field? Now, Kevin, you talk about Utah. I'll give you another one. USC. Because it's such a it's such a question mark, right? The Pac-12, it's, it's, it's come down to three teams. Oregon, Utah, and obviously USC. Now, Utah is the defending champs. Oregon, you know, I mean, you talk about, you know, what they got in Dan Landing, what type of what what was he able to recruit? Was he able to pull some guys from the southeast to Oregon? And then, you know, you got the you got the you know, you got the uh you got the question mark. You know, uh you got Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley got the quarterback, right? He got his quarterback. C.J. Williams, he goes, he goes, I mean, Caleb Williams, he goes over to USC. You had Jordan Addison. So you already got, so you got one of the best quarterbacks, the best receiver. What can they put around them? I think, Kevin, for me, Texas is one. I mean, I'm sorry, Utah is one, Texas is two, and maybe USC. Because the thing about a Miami is this. Mario Cristobal, you know, Miami alum, comes over. You know, he, he, he it's all, the thing about I say Miami is because can Miami have a, dare I say, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest type run? Because the thing about it is, is Miami's they 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 recruit really really well. Sure, but Kevin, 
I mean, we got to go but dust gonna, off. But they're, they're going to have to go. Yeah, we got to dust they're off. They're going to have to go 11-1, 12-0 to, and to, and to off get in the playoffs. Right? The VCR tapes. <laughs> when the last time Miami was, was relevant. But for me, I, I do like the Utah pick. I think they're going to be a really, really good team. Because what makes Utah good is nobody expects them to do anything. And then they running through the Pac-12, winning the Pac-12 championship. I think I think uh, having a guy like Caleb Williams adding Jordan Addison to USC is going to be huge. But if Texas can actually play according to the talent level that they have with a guy in Vrimbles over in Oklahoma who, while you're going to have talent, do he go through a first-year coach jitters? You know, because Oklahoma, they don't, they, don't, they don't move coaches around that much, for those of you who yeah. don't know. I mean, they, they usually stick around. You know, Bob Stoops, you know what I'm saying, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley left for the money. Nobody's mad at him, mad at him about that. But I, I, but I do like a Utah pick. I think, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, like I said, Texas, USC, maybe Miami. Because the thing about it is, and Kevin, another pick you said, maybe a Penn State. Because Ohio State, man, Ohio State going to beat the brakes off of Michigan this year. It's going to happen. Can Penn State finally get over the hump of being a team that's good enough to beat Michigan State, good enough to beat Ohio State, good enough to beat Michigan, and actually do it when that time happens? Or do they play well for three and a half quarters, lose by a field goal, lose by a touchdown late? You know, I mean, Coach Franklin, he always going to have the talent. You know he's going to have the horses. Can he, can he get it done? Yeah, there's a couple of teams that I think, as you said, are looking to get that last step over the mountain, right? Uh, Penn State will be one of them. They've come so close. It's like, hey, you finally beat Ohio State, and then you then you lose to to somebody, you know, lose to Michigan State, and you can't go. Uh, Miami to me is a curious because Miami might be very good this year, Ben. But you look at the ACC, the respect they get nationally. You're going to need Clemson to to perform really well. Maybe even Wake Forest to have another ten win type season. Uh, out there in the ACC as well. But I think if you're Miami, if you want to get in the playoff, you're probably talking 12-0. and 11-1 may not be able to get you there. Right? I, right? So could they be a sleeper? Yeah, I guess they could. But I think if they win the ACC or 10-2 or something like that, I, I think that might be a resurgence sign for Miami, but I don't think it's good enough to get them in the playoff. I think Utah could, depending on how it goes. I think that's a good one. I think Penn State, if they can get over that last little hump, uh, Ben, they could uh, get into the uh, the college football playoffs. So, uh, to me, when you talk about sleepers, those are those are the teams I look at. Where it's like you need one hurdle. Like Utah won the Pac-12, but you always, they're another team where you look at and, and you go, man, they have that one game that just ends up catching them. Right? It's like, hey, you lost this game, you probably shouldn't have, and you just didn't play well, and it's going to cost you. Miami's been that way for a while, and actually, you probably could say that about a couple of games. Uh, for Miami, hey, they lost two or three games they probably had no business doing. Penn State's certainly been one of those where uh, it's it's Ohio State standing in your way, and if you have beaten them, then you lose to an Iowa or you lose to somebody like that, and you're going, that that was the difference. That was the difference in you making it there. I, I feel like there's a couple of teams, uh, and we mentioned them there, Ben, that are so close, right? So close. Oklahoma State is another one uh, that reminds me uh, a lot of a program that is so close, right? They, uh, how many times is Mike? I mean, seriously, how many times has Mike Gundy won like nine, ten games? You're going, and, and you lost by th- like one year they were like ten and two, and one of their losses they lost by like two to Central Michigan, and and you're going, what? This this doesn't even make sense uh, at this point. But I feel like Mike Gundy's another one of those guys who's got Oklahoma State good enough. Mm-hmm. But they need to take that one extra step, and could they be a sleeper? With a coaching change at Oklahoma, 
And I know you say Texas is gonna be sleep. I mean, let, let's 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 beat Kansas first before yeah. we start Ooh. talking. You know, I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. But before we start talking about being back, let's beat Kansas first. But I feel like Oklahoma State is in that realm of the Utahs and the Penn States, and, and maybe to a lesser extent Miami, where it's like you need to win that one extra game, and it's probably a completely different story for Oklahoma State. And could they win the Big Twelve? I I think they could. Again, you know what Lincoln Riley left. But you're still going through a coaching transition, and you're going into a league that traditionally has not valued a whole lot of defense. You bring in Brent Venables, who is Mr. Defense, and what does that mean offensively for Oklahoma? Are they going to be able to light up the scoreboard uh, the way they have in years past? Is it going to be a little bit of a up-to-speed uh, mantra in some games where maybe offensively they don't play well? I, I think this could be a year that Oklahoma State might win the Big 12. Kevin is but like, I say I say that, but yep. they've had teams good enough to do it in the past and they don't do it. Uh you know, they they lose a they lose a game 42 to 38 or something crazy like that. Didn't they who was it the last year? Didn't they lose to Baylor and it was like 52 to 49 or they, something they still, they still something got, nuts. They still got they can't make a stop problem. It's not that Oklahoma true, State doesn't but, doesn't but can Oklahoma can Oklahoma not, you know, Oklahoma State themselves. Like we always say in the in the and ACC, they're going to ACC themselves. When it, come, when it comes to Oklahoma State, Kevin, it's not the talent. It's not the offensive production. It's if you're winning 48 to 35 with five minutes left, can you close the team out? Or do we're going to overtime? And the thing about uh, Coach Mike Gunn, I mean, incredible coach, right? You think about being able to say, okay, everybody around me is leaving. Right? Lincoln Riley gone, Vanderbilt's in, I get it. Can I beat a team like Baylor? Can I not have, you know, a letdown against a team that I should beat like a TCU? So I do think uh, Coach Young and them got a shot, Kevin, because they're going to have to tell. And once again, Oklahoma State is always that really, really good program, but never never taking that name. Really, really good program. They don't lack anything. It's like one of those, if you go to the facility, you're like, dude, you, oh, yeah, big-time football. But the problem is, yeah, uh, we're Oklahoma State. We're not Oklahoma. Until we beat them. It's like if you go to Oklahoma State, people saying, yeah, man, they say you go here because you couldn't go there or what may have you. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know, Coach Mike Gunn, it's like you said, nine wins, the hardest thing, can you get another win? Can you get that 10th? Can you get that 11th? Then can you go to the can you go to the Big 12 championship game and not lay an egg? So it's up to him. You got a lot of good coaches that this might be their moment, but Coach Gunn, outside of some great sound bites, man, they'll say, oh, man, they win, they win, they win. Who they lost to? Baylor. What? It'd be the team to go, what? And then Baylor end up having a subpar year. That'd be their Super right. Bowl. Of the oh, it's just crazy. I mean, they, they've been the tough luck team uh, in the Big 12 where it's like you're rolling along and you lose a game by three where both teams combine to score 100 points and you don't win. It's, as you said, get a stop, any stop, and that would be appreciated. We got more to come here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. It is three and out. He has been. I am Kevin. Thanks for making us a part of your day. 912-342-7184. Your number to join us here on the show. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. And on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can leave us a comment there as well. Ben, as college football, as we mentioned, about two months. A little bit more than two months away. We talked about some of these guys that are right there. James Franklin, Mike Gundy. Who are, who, who is a, a coach that you feel like is on the cusp of becoming like one of the upper echelon coaches if they can get the win? I know we talked about programs who are maybe sleepers. Who's a coach that you feel like 
if they can climb that one last piece, they become in that kind of upper echelon of coach. Not the Saban, Kirby, Jimbo, the guys who are currently holding a, uh, a natty. There's only a handful of those guys right now. But kind of puts themselves into that next category of, uh, of coach out there. Wow. I, mean, uh, I feel like James Franklin and and, and, Mike and Mike Gundy are the two right now that just jump right off the page. It's like they are so close every single year, and every year you're going, you know, if if you didn't, uh, you know, lose your mind against Indiana, you might be in a different uh, situation. Or if you're Mike Gundy, it's like, dude, if you could just – you scored 60 points and couldn't beat Baylor. Like, what are you doing? Like, if you could get by one of those games, it would be a different story for you. Wow. We, oh, a coach that uh... – I mean, I like Coach Gundy. I like I like Coach Franklin. I mean, you know what's crazy? And I know it's only been one year. If they if they can, because this is back like, just getting back to just nationally relevant. It might be Coach Hypo up there in Tennessee because yeah, this, true, yeah. because it's a thing, Kevin. We it's it's like it's like it's like in our business, you know, in the media business. You don't have a lot of job openings for certain positions that often. Guys ain't walking away from these type of gigs, and gals ain't walking from these type of gigs that often. Think about Tennessee is. Tennessee is a blue blood when it comes to college football. They are one of the, you know, core teams. They are part of the college football fabric. They haven't been relevant for a while. It's been a lot of – they've been the laughing stock for, for a lot of different reasons. When you're talking about leadership reps and kicking white boys on the sideline and all <laughs> these different things, Kohaipa comes in and goes, it used to – we're not, too, we're not too, uh, too many years to move, Kevin, but this was a job that nobody wanted in the SEC. When they went through their Rolodex of coaches, they went through a lot before somebody said yes. I think Jeremy Pruitt was like Wait. choice six or seven, yeah. yeah. You know, they had Lane Kiffin and all these different things when you talk about Tennessee. Philip Fullman went from being the head Derek coach. Dooley. Derek Dooley. Went from being the head coach to the athletic director. But I think Coach Hyper was the guy that said, look, man, I want this gig. I understand. I got to deal with Florida. I got to deal with Georgia. I got to deal with Alabama. I got to deal with – Vanderbilt, as of as Kentucky, South Carolina. But if they could just stay nationally relevant, competing in the East, you got to compete in the East before you can win the East. So they're, they're competitive. Won seven games last year. I think had the, uh, I want to say had the, the, the third best record in the East last year behind Georgia and Kentucky. But now it's do you have staying power? You got a guy, Henry Hooker, that's going to be back. You can, you, can, you can use him to help you bring in the neck. I think they got a big time. A quarterback not named Eli. I mean, not named Eli. Not named, uh, shoot, I can't even think of his name, uh, Arch Manning right now. Right. But I think it is, I think it is Coach Hyper because here's the thing, Kevin. Certain teams need to be good for bigger than just the division they play in, but just the national, you know, attention and reputation of this school. Tennessee hasn't beaten Florida in a while. I don't even want to talk about the record against Alabama. That, that's well, even tough. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia hasn't been uh, competitive as of late, except for when you know Joshua Dobbs with the Hail Mary in Athens. That's been what five years now. Tennessee to me is a, Coach Hyper is a coach that's got a shot because you know Kevin. All it takes is one year. People say, "Well, why you mean, uh, Coach Ogeron?" Most of his time at LSU was yeah, it was all right. He had a year though, and that's considered one of the best teams ever. So that's the right. pressure on Brian Kelly, right? Because I, I so I think that for me it is a Coach Hyper because. And, and, and you could probably say a Coach Brian Kelly, too, because this is the thing about LSU. You said this, Kevin. I mean, since 2000, they have three national championships, right? All three were different coaches. That's Miles, you know, Coach O, Coach Saban. 
The thing about LSU is they expect to have that type of success all the time. Yeah. When you got Alabama, when you got Auburn, when you got Texas A&M, when you got Ole Miss, when you got Mississippi State, when you got Arkansas. And that's another coach, too. Uh, um, you know, when you, when you think about a coach, you know, when you talk about uh, – you talked about um, uh, Coach Kelly or whatever – I think this. I think the certain. I think that uh, what what makes it hard to do it is it's staying power. It's Clemson had one bad year. We think. Well, let me. Whoa, whoa. Clemson they, won they, ten they, games. Yeah, they did not have a bad year. They yeah, didn't have. Clemson, a, they didn't make the playoffs. So yeah, Clemson won ten games, and I, and people go, oh man, they 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 they're the worst team you know ever. But I think for me, Kevin, if Coach Hyper can get, keep things going to Tennessee, make it competitive against uh you know Florida. Make it competitive against Georgia. Don't lose the teams like Mizzou, or make it interesting against Kentucky. I think he's got. I think they got a shot because let's face it, Kevin. It's been too long since Tennessee has not been relevant, and I think it, it just makes you throw these young these young student athletes not be thinking. Oh, Tennessee stinks. No, nah, it's just it's hard with recruiting and get, let's face it. Recruiting is one thing. I got to get a top recruiting class. Got to get a quarterback. They got a big time quarterback coming in, but I think a coach Hosmer can have a. A, now I have a sophomore slump when now people kind of know what his offense is going to be and get complimented defense, I think yeah. he'd be involved. I think he'd be close. Josh Heibel could be very, uh, very interesting. I, and, again, I think whoever's going to take the next step at Tennessee, it, it comes down to those three schools you mentioned, Ben. It's, it's Florida. It is, it is Georgia. And it is, it's Alabama, right? Because if you're Tennessee, it doesn't matter who the coach has been the last 15 years or yeah. so, you haven't done a whole lot of winning. Uh, you've done virtually no winning against Florida. I think they're what one in fifteen in the last sixteen games against Florida. Uh, Bama. I don't know that they've. It might be once in the last fifteen years against Bama. Yeah. And Georgia has been now, maybe twice. Now, now uh, in Kevin, the last. Now, so, I mean, you, you have not had any success against yeah. any of those. But I will say this too, Kevin. Now, Jimbo gets his prestige because of what he did in another school. It ain't at the school he's at. I'm gonna tell you a school or a coach. That they're not gonna win the national championship, but it's probably done the best job under the radar and under the circumstances. It might be Sam Pittman and what he's doing at Arkansas. Now let me say this again: they're not going to win. The, look, even if if Alabama had a down year, it's gonna be LSU, it's gonna be Texas A&M, it's gonna be Auburn. It's too many teams they got to overcome, but. This is the same Arkansas team that two years ago they weren't picked to win a game. When it was all SEC schedule, they weren't picked to win a game. They hadn't won a game in the SEC in like two years. It was crazy. But Sam Pittman has done a hell of a job. And he has Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and LSU every year. They won, what, nine? It was ridiculous what they did last year. So I think that this is more about – because you know how it is, Kevin. Whoever the top coaches are. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Lane. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you talk about um, uh, Dabble Sweeney. Well, I mean, how many Lincoln active Ryan. how many active coaches are out there right now with the Natty? Kirby, Dabo, Jimbo. Nick Saban, and Jimbo and Mac Brown. There's five out of 130 school. Unless I missed one, there's there's yeah, five. So that's so, it. <laughs> that's, so when you talk about getting that, oh, you got to get in the upper. Like, there's five and, guys. And the thing too. Mac Brown won a national championship when most of these players was four and five. Like, think about if they were that. So, Mac Brown does have it, right? Mac Brown is the reason why Texas, whatever the hell they think Texas football yeah, right. is right now. 
Jimbo Fisher won it, or, uh, you know, obviously at Florida State. Nick Saban, you look at what he did at Alabama and at LSU. Uh, Les Miles isn't in coaching right now. Coach O isn't in coaching right now. So think about it, Kevin. Five, not uh, named Lincoln Riley. Like, he's never won one. Now he got the prestige. So that, that, that club is very exclusive. That, that, you know, that, that, you know, that SUV is full. That's all you need. We get them an SUV. They don't need no limo. Who's going to add to that? Because, Kevin, you know, you were in icon status when you went a natty. Problem yeah. is, uh, ain't with so many teams can win it. Jimbo needs to win one with this team, even though he's on the bus. Um, you know, uh, a team like Lincoln Riley, they're not giving you that much money and, and your family got private jet access for 24 hours a day for you to just be all right. Venables, we want you to do what Bob Stoops did. Uh, uh, you know, Billy Napier, hey man, from two million to seven point one with eight million dollars to pay your staff and forty-five new coaches, gotta get it done. So I think that a lot of these coaches, that that second, that second tier, Kevin, could be anybody. People go, he ain't second tier. Yes, it, second tier is a bunch of coaches. Anyone, Mel Tucker, ninety-five million, uh, Franklin, Pittsburgh. You talk about, I mean, you talk about. Uh, Penn State, oh, oh, you oh mean. God, Penn State, you this, mean. Check this out. Oh, yeah, Penn State. Check this out. Coach Day, Ohio State, right there. Got to get it done. I mean, if you want to play wide receiver, you go to Ohio State these days. But you want to win the natty? Uh-huh. Ain't nobody coming out the Big Ten. Michigan got shellacked <laughs> after they beat Ohio State, right? But I, but I do think that uh, Sam Pittman, you know, and what he's doing, you know, I think he got a shot. Coach Hypo got a shot. Lincoln Riley. Got a shot because he got he, he like look I want to be the alpha dog in in whatever conference I'm in he gets that you he gets that at SC and you know I, it's a lot it's gonna that second tier is gonna be really really big Kevin because you know recruiting got to be there first the product on the field got to be there second and you have to have a consistent sure. winning product every year yeah there's a number of guys who can do it that haven't done it I mean James Franklin won at Vanderbilt for crying out loud you know it's like I I think if he continues to do uh, what he's done at Penn State, eventually they're going to find a way uh, to, to to pop through there. Can they do it? I think maybe they just haven't done it. they they got to find that one year where they don't have that slip. Yeah. And I think James Franklin could be one of those coaches that you're talking about. But you're right. you got the top-tier guys that have rings on their fingers. That's yeah. very small group. Mm-hmm. Very small group right now. And then that next tier is the oh, – almost we can see it. We can taste it. But we can't quite get can't quite get there, and it's, that's a hard leap to make. Like yes. you talk about making the leap from, hey, I took over a program that won four games, we got them to six, we got them to eight, we got them to nine. Going from, and and I think Georgia knew this when they went from Mark Rick to Kirby Smart. Now Kirby made it look pretty seamless because he kind of took that Nick Saban model, and said I, I learned from the goat, and we're going to take goat strategies and put them into play over here yes. in Atlanta. But going from ten or Athens, excuse me, but going from ten to twelve, going from ten that, to that, eleven, that, that, the ten to eleven even. Yeah, is insanely and, 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 hard. And, 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 and Kevin, you and and that's really what it is. You say, okay, your first year, you kind of get in the barometer. You know, I, I I use Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen comes to the floor. Well, you you replacing Jim McElwain, so you ain't got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> but then he goes to a New Year Six, right? Wins it. Oh man, good momentum. The next year, why you go Chick Fil A Peach Bowl? Win it. You know, next year you go to the Orange Bowl. Win it. But then. You go to the Cotton Bowl and with the JV team and get the doors blown off you by Oklahoma, right? 
This is after. <laughs> I forgot that he did say, he's like, we got our, our B team. Uh, yeah, that, B team. That was bad. Then, yeah. Kevin, it's almost like this. And that's the hardest thing. What Mark Ritt did with Kirby Smart and Kirby Smart knew coming in, hey, man, my first year, it wasn't really a lot to go off of. I think they won. I think they lost to Vanderbilt his first year. It was like seven wins. It wasn't good. So the, so the, the vision wasn't really felt, but they stayed the court. I mean, let's, let's get facilities, recruits. It goes, it goes facilities, recruits, culture. Facilities, recruiting, culture. They got the facilities, check. Got the recruiting, got the culture. Because the one thing about it, he had five stars. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a five-star culture. That was in Tuscaloosa. That was in Clemson. That was in Ohio State. But then he realized, okay, I'm going to build around the quarterback, and I'm going to get the quarterback. Jake Fromm shows you what could be. Okay, go to the next gym. Okay. So now I got – so what he really did, he get, hey, man, I got to have a defense. Why? Because no matter what, Alabama always has what? AD, fence. He gave me one of the greatest defense you're going to ever see. And, Kevin, if it never happens again, for which I hope it doesn't, <laughs> I, I, it was, we've seen it, right? And sometimes, Kevin – Ben's going to give us a go dogs yeah, any no, minute here on the show. No, this is the thing, Kevin. <laughs> Most people don't really have a blueprint – of success, they have a blueprint that works. But the success in college football, and I'm only talking about the teams that can win it, by mind you. Like, what Mike Gunny is doing at Oklahoma State, that might be the best they can do when you look at everything around them. LSU has a blueprint because they want it. Alabama is the blueprint. Georgia just showed that, hey, man, there are kinks in the armor with Alabama. Right? If you are, if you are in Ohio State, can you get over the hump? Cincinnati, that might be the best they can do. Michigan might be the best they can do. Because if you've never won it, you'll be like, hey, well, almost winning it ain't winning it. Right? I mean, the first time the Rams went to the Super Bowl, they had Jared Goff. They scored three points. The final score was 10 to 3. That was the score in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so all I'm saying is when you talk about these teams, Kevin, to the one, like, you know who, you know who better have a blueprint to get it done? That would be Jimbo. We got you the number one recruiting class in the country. Make it, make it, make it, you know, I mean, make making declarations before the season talking about we're gonna whoop Alabama's you know what. Now, Kevin, can you win it all? That starts with going to Al- that starts with going to Atlanta. Cause last time I checked, unless you got relevant Atlanta, ain't nobody from Texas going to Atlanta. <laughs> I ain't seen them. So I, I but the second <laughs> tiers though, Kevin, is gonna be loaded. I think that the, the best of the second tiers right now, I mean, you know, might be Coach Franklin. As far as, like, you've seen it consistently, but can he go to 10 wins? Can he beat Ohio State? Because once you beat Ohio State, now you get to get, to get, you get, a, you get a chance to go with the big, bad SEC. They'll be like, well, we played Auburn. That ain't big, bad SEC. Big, bad SEC is Georgia and Alabama right now. And if you can beat them, you can beat anybody. The problem is you got to beat them because they are the anybody. So we'll, we'll see, Kevin, but that second-tier that second tier bus – it's a tour bus. There's a bunch of coaches jumping off from Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, USC, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn. It looked like a coach's convention on that second bus, but the first one is an SUV. And there were five of them in there. And one of them only on there because of what he did at, uh, what he did at Florida State. He, his his uh, pass about to get revoked, too, because can you do it at this school? You the one that started the guaranteed contracts, Jimbo. And you don't want to also telling people to say it to your face, leaving your, uh, leaving your Christmas tree in your yard. College Station won a natty. <laughs> we, got, we got more to come here. It's three and out, counting down towards Braves and Giants tonight. We're coming back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Great to be here with you on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. We do have the Braves and the Giants coming up in just a little bit. Braves take the opener 2-1. to one. Nice to, I told somebody earlier today, nice to see that, that clutch gene, as people like to say, come back, Ben, where it was, you give up uh, the, the lead. I say give it up. It was a tie, but you give up the lead in the eighth inning. You come back. Kenley Jansen shuts it down uh, in the ninth, and you get a walk-off single from Orlando Arcia, who, again, not your, not your star player. He's just another guy called upon and, and makes it happen when it's his turn. And we've talked about that with the Braves for so long where, look, it's just different dudes every single night. Uh, basically, hey, it's my turn tonight. And they've been so good in the late innings under Snit, and a little bit of that again last night to uh, – to beat a team that's really good in the uh, the San Francisco Giants. And, again, I look at it and say, look, these are now games that you're going to be judged on coming down the stretch, Ben, because everybody's like, oh, you got fat. You know, you got fat beating up on teams that weren't that good. Uh, below 500 records. You know, all that stuff that people like to say about what the Braves have been through the last month. Well, you went out and beat a team that's right there with you in the wild card race. So, hopefully that's a precursor of what happens coming up this weekend when the Dodgers come in, but a chance to, again, take the first two. Uh, tonight, you have Spencer Striders had a great year uh, against Anthony DeSclafani, who's coming off of injury for uh, for the Giants. So this is his first start back since uh, coming off of injury. Maybe a chance to take the first two on this tough homestand and kind of send a message that, hey, it's it's not just we're beating up on the bad teams. We can go toe-to-toe with anybody uh, out there, and, and here's why. I still think, you know, even without Ozzy, this lineup's tough, and they showed it last night. Michael Harris, three for three. Arcia with the walk-off. Uh, they're getting it done, and Acuna has been non-existent for for a week and a half. I give, mean, give, it's give, uh, give Snead and Alexander Thomas a lot of credit, man. They did. They don't. You, they don't build a team around a superstar, Kevin. But you, you said, can they? You, 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 you said this. You said with Kinsley Jansen, what does he bring you? You can win a game, one to zero, one to one. Like he'll yeah. he'll make it so that he gets you. He gets you out of bad spots. And baseball to me is not winning six to zero. Can you win two to one, three to two? I mean. The most exciting baseball you're going to see outside of outside of postseason is the last six house. It will get exciting <laughs> sure. regardless of what team. But you talk about this Braves team, Kevin. They're building confidence, and what makes them dangerous is they can win a two-one ball game. Like they 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 can take it they can take it to the ninth inning and say, "Man, we 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 confident. We're getting contributions from guys that don't make contributions game in and game out." Oh, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is not playing well. Think about how much of how much that could easily be a talking point if they weren't winning. But when you're winning, hey man, we're gonna let our superstar figure it out. Yeah, right. Because this is the thing about Ronald Acuna. While he is still a out of this world talent, having a Michael Harris Jr. in the off, outfield lets them know, hey man, we pretty good at this uh, scouting stuff now, Ronald. <laughs> like we pretty good at what we're doing here. I don't think he's any danger, no, 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 man, no, no, but yeah. No, no, no. I, I, what, what I'm saying is, Kevin, it's good to have young talent around you, that plays in the outfield with you. It's not supposed to be – I'm supposed to be able to uh, – if I'm going to feel any heat, it's supposed to come from my teammates to help elevate my game. Michael Harris Jr. is sensational. I mean, he really, really is. And and that's the thing, right? It's almost like that's what Freddie Freeman had to deal with when Ron LaCunha Jr. got called up. He go, this dude is sensational. Freddie like, hey, dude, I, you know, I've been doing it. And I'm not saying that's how Freddie felt, but, Kevin, that's how good the Braves are. If – look – you see how good Dansby Swanson is playing? Do you remember how bad he played when the season started? That's how good he's playing now. You don't even talk about it anymore. But the talk of the Braves right now is not Michael Harris Jr. 
It's not Ronald Cooney Jr. It would be Travis Darno. He is balling. Like, well. It's like he got so many highlights now. I've been thinking, is this a rerun? Is this a preview? No, this is he just no, he just went yard again. And I think that's what makes the Braves good is you expect it from Matt Olson, who had an incredible play last night, by the way, oh, as yeah. well. Right? And I think guys are showing why. Save Will here. Smith. He really, really did. I mean, Will. And Will came in and did not. And Will, and Will, Will, and Will, it, Will, you better get your hand over the first yeah. base. And Matt Olson saved his saved his butt a little bit. But, no, but yeah, you're right. But but, but 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 what I'm saying is, Kevin, I think you're seeing just how good a dangerous team is. They can hurt you with their bat. They can hurt you. They can hurt you. You know, they can hurt you on defense, right? They can hurt you in the late innings. They can hurt you with the bullpen. And they get late game heroics from guys who, who aren't really asked to step in and be a uh, key contributor. Sure. Because so love it. And like I said, Michael Harris Jr., Ronald, this ain't nothing against you, but I love Mr. Michael Harris Jr. right now. Because, Kevin, you said it. You know, uh, uh, Vidoff, Goral Vidoff, he said yeah. it. Hey, man, Kevin, let me get, let me give you crystal ball this. Once <laughs> he starts, what is what was that, was it June the 20th? Wasn't that the, the – the, 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 It's the like June – yeah, June 17th. He's like, he's going to take it to another level. And, and he's those players have gotten a lot better. And, Kevin, dare I say, poise at the plate. And for those of you who don't know, oh, he got wheels. Yeah, I I I write out center field and misjudge that misjudge that uh that ball if you want to. You're gonna stand up, watch this man do a triple, but love to listen, in the last 18 games, they've only lost twice. I will take that any day of the week. Obviously, Kevin, you know, later on in the week we're gonna talk about who they got to play oh, <laughs> this yeah. weekend. But until we get there, a team like San Francisco, who obviously they got the brave circle, because right now they went one and two, I think, in the wild card race. Right now, really, really similar. With or the, now what, two and three, or two and three now. Two yeah. and three, as far as like you know, uh, you know, runs batted in, you know, uh, runs given up, you know, uh, home and away schedules. But that's what you want. You want to judge myself on a team that's just as good as me. Child to Jock Peters, like I say, Mister Pearls himself. You know, I don't want him coming in in the ninth inning and doing what he did, scaring me. <laughs> but at the end of the day, oh, Kevin, it's much. And listen, food tastes better. Kids are much more tolerable. Everything is better when you win. You will take a win in Troy's. Hey, look, I, I I really like the way this team is playing. And as you said, Acuna is doing virtually nothing uh, right now. His last 10 games, one RBI. I know he's in the leadoff spot, but here's why I say one RBI is important. Michael Harris is down at the bottom. Adam Duvall, Orlando Arcia, all those guys have been hitting and getting on base. So he's had opportunities. Seven of 42, one RBI in his, la- or in his last 10 games. So for the last week and a half, he has been pretty awful. Pretty awful, <laughs> to, to put it nicely, uh, at the end of the day. So, then I think, to me, that's a good sign. Yes. When you talk about, uh, hey, you got sign. the Dodgers coming up, you have some guys who are playing well, and your superstar is not. And, you, and, and superstars usually don't have a whole lot of prolonged stretches where they just don't play well. Right? Freddie Freeman had a little bit, and he worked his way through it, and he came out big on the other side. So if I'm the Braves, hey, keep winning, and you know 13 is going to show up huge here in the not-too-distant future, and it's going to be you know one of those tears that you see superstars go on where you just take it to another unworldly level, and you're going, I, I, I can't even describe what I'm looking at right now. It's, it's just totally unbelievable. And to me, if I'm Snit, you got to feel really good. Bullpen, outside of Will Smith, everybody's pitching pretty, on, pretty well. Starting rotation has been... Whoa. Really good. I mean, you got who, who uh, we got tonight. Strider, Spencer Strider, yeah. With the stash, yeah. The stash. So look, he's 
225. Nice. Max Freed, 277 Bowling. ERA. Uh, Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson is, I think, a little over three, but um, Kyle Wright's under uh, under three. So you got three starters under three. Charlie Morton and uh, and uh, Ian Anderson are pitching. I mean, Charlie Morton didn't give up a run in his last outing. So you have five guys pitching well and Mike Soroka working to get back. With that Again, good problem to have, Ben, right? I have five rotation spots and maybe a six-starting pitcher. Uh, coming back, bullpen has been good. Mentor has been good. Uh, Kenley Jansen is nice. unbelievable nice. Uh, with, with what he does. Yes, you have Ty, uh, you know Tyler Matzik on the injured list, set to come back later in the year. Kirby Yates formerly led the American League in saves, coming back off of injury later in the year. You're going to add good pieces. And at a certain point, hopefully Mike Soroka comes back. You That's what I'm saying. When. So you're going to add pieces potentially to this team that are really good without looking at the trade deadline, without maybe negotiating with some other teams. To me, that's very interesting for the Braves because your lineup, Ben, is very, very good. Right? I mean, it's very, like, like, where would you make yourself better right now? Okay, maybe second base, but is playing well, and you're yep. going to get Ozzy back yep. later in the season. So yep. it's not a long-term solution. And here. you're going to get Rosario back at a right. certain point. Right, So. That, that Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario coming back. Adam Duvall's back. Could you get better at DH? Well, when Rosario comes back, he can DH as well as uh, Ozuna. If he's not hitting, you have so many options yes. of guys currently on the team. Yes. What a great problem to have. We'll come back, get you ready for Braves and Giants next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Braves and Giants coming up here in just a little bit. Anthony DeSclafani, first start coming off of the IL for the Giants. Spencer Strider for the Braves tonight. And, again, Braves trying to take the first two games of the series and put a little distance between themselves and the Giants in the wild card standings. Probably still a little early to be worrying about wild card standings, but nevertheless, uh, there they are, Ben, and we'll see if, you know, love to see Ronald Acuna get off to one of those patented hot starts, first uh, first at bat homers. <laughs> that we say, I'm not calling that, but you know, when you're in a kind of a slump like he is, you want to see something, you know, uh, kind of spark him and get him going. Yeah, Kevin, you know he's going to get at least you know four, maybe five at bats. I mean, I, I think it just comes down to being patient, just waiting on his pitches, really, really just being himself. And it's got to, it's, it's bad for him because he's in a slump, but it's got to be good to know they ain't putting pressure on him. He is leadoff. I don't know. He ranks as, as leadoffs ever in baseball, but he's got to be up there. Yeah, leadoff well, homers. He is. Uh, I think he very much is up there. Yeah. So I, th- I think with him, Kevin, just go out there, be yourself, because you got a team around you that's not making you have to carry the load. And hey, man, I would think at the end of the day, he wants to win more than he wants the stats. But we will take both. Hopefully, that starts tonight. Now, I, well, why can't we have both? Of course, I want both. <laughs> why can't Why can't we have both? Let's be greedy about it if we're going to do it. Appreciate Rich Styles, Back Nine Boys Golf Show joining us. Also. Akil Blunt, uh, former FAMU linebacker, Dolphins, Steelers linebacker, son of Hall of Famer. Mel Blunt joined us earlier on the show as well. You can catch that ESPNCoastal.com or our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal on YouTube, if you missed any portion of today's show. We'll see you tomorrow, 3 and out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.